The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Fantasy Football Week 7. We're talking fantasy football advice. Everything you need to know. David, man, Week 7. It sounds so deep into the season. It's almost gone, it feels like. I can't believe it. It's, it's almost Week Week eight, we call it, we call it the halfway point. I know, man. Like the fantasy halfway. fantasy football seasons, I guess essentially are, are halfway over. I mean, the regular season's halfway over. Um, you're you're we're talking playoffs now. We're talking trades. We're talking futures at this point. I love your, um, you know, every time we kind of spar on uh, Odell Beckham, which feather in your cap this week. This is exactly how you said this is this is going to go for him. But they're just players, you know. You know the matchups right now between weeks what thirteen and, and fifteen, um, depending on how your playoff format shakes out. So it's time to be thinking about the future, everybody, or it's time to be look. If your regular season is bad, maybe you make that trade for Mike Davis and just ride him for two weeks until Christian McCaffrey comes back. I mean, it's. It's put-up-or-shut-up time in a lot of fantasy leagues out there, so we're going to be digging into it. Um, you know, last week—oh, before we get rolling, so we pick against the spread every week, as you know, David. Um, you went out to a super early lead, but you and me have been basically trading back and forth, along with the computer projections. Um, we're all within, I think, two picks of each other. I actually overtook you this week. This is the first time I've been ahead of you all season, um, but only ahead of you by one pick. So that just goes to show you how— how uh, how close things are. We're both above the pay line, well above the pay line. I might do some um, some housekeeping, some analytics to see how we do when we agree on a pick versus um, whether, because you know we know what what you and me are at. We're about fifty five to fifty six percent. We might even have crept up to about fifty seven, fifty eight. Obviously, sixty percent is is the gold standard uh, where you can really make a living off of doing that if you wanted to. If you had the balls, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but if you wanted to make a living. But um, yeah, man, your picks are going really well. My picks are doing pretty well. The robots' picks are doing pretty well. Rockobot, as I call him. And, uh, and yeah, man, we're doing good. So if you like against the spread stuff, David and I are paying out this year. So that's good stuff. But let's dig in. Well, I, any thoughts before we dig in um, from uh, week six? Anything you want to tidy up or anything that jumped out to you? I don't know if there's anything that pops off off the top of my mind. Uh, so I think we'll just kind of get over each each individual yeah. aspect as we go. Yeah, it sounds good. So let's start with Thursday night football, the New York Giants versus Philadelphia Eagles. To me, look, you know, Philadelphia, you know the injuries. Um Fulgham got in the end zone again, so we know the wide receivers kind of working there. Um you know, the Giants are the Giants are having a tough time offensively. They played Washington, they played a little bit better offensively versus Washington and versus Dallas, uh more so against Dallas than Washington. They won thanks to Riverboat Ron uh, going for two points. But, you know, I don't mind that move, frankly. Uh, you know, if, if you're Washington, if you're the Giants, why aren't you going for two at this point? But, I mean, it's just a tough draw for the Giants this year. I don't like the offense. Philadelphia, I think their offense, for some reason, they play a lot better in the fourth quarter than they do in quarters one through three. But Philadelphia is looking better. I think they're about poised to, to go on a run. I do think it starts this week. Um, quick comments there because for some reason I neglected to pull up my uh, my fantasy football projections here, David. Quick comments on the Eagles and Giants while I pull my numbers up. Well, for one, we got to find out what's going on with Miles Sanders because oh, yeah. he went out with a knee injury. The initial speculation is that it's likely a meniscus, mm. which means he could be out anywhere three to four weeks. This yeah. could be a season ender for Miles Sanders. So that's really my focus on this game is – 
how much do I commit to Boston Scott, right? Because we, I don't. Go, going into the season, everybody across the board, we thought Boston Scott was a plug-and-play if Miles Sanders goes down. We looked at the receiving usage he got in the last four weeks last year, even when Miles Sanders was playing. And then Miles Sanders went out week one, and we got a dud. So you kind of have to weigh both last season's production as well as week one for Boston Scott. And I think I'm going to land somewhere in the middle where I don't want to overreact to week one being a bad game because at this point he is due for for volume. Somebody's going to have to handle the running back touches in Philadelphia, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't – Philadelphia, to me, they're just a team that needs to get healthy with receivers. And, And Miles Sanders, that's a big one. But I've always been kind of a fader on Miles Sanders, not because I don't think he's great. I think he's a great talent, but I just don't like the way Doug Peterson utilizes his running backs. I haven't since he's been there. Um, You know, a lot of times he's gone four deep. This year, it's been kind of more Miles Sanders. I wouldn't call him necessarily a bell cow, but he's been getting the the vast share um, of responsibility there. Boston Scott, look, I've seen him while Miles Sanders is out. I'm not impressed by anything he's done this year, so they're going to have to go long committee. I'm out on him based on, again, utilization of of Peterson. Um, This offense... Look, I like what I'm seeing from Fulgham. I know you and I kind of disagree. You're out on aging wide receivers with injury issues, and I don't, you know, I can't argue that and and sound like I know what I'm talking about. But Alshon Jeffrey, when he comes back, and Deshaun Jackson, I don't think they're good individually, but as a unit, when all of them come back and the team has depth and they have um, somebody that Carson Wentz trusts in the red zone and Fulgham's getting there. Uh, And I like Greg Ward too, but... um, I just think this team is is poised to get better, but really, I think the underrated injury for me, um, you know, moving the conversation away from Miles Sanders, has been Dallas Goddard. You know, Dallas Goddard filled up even last year when they had the injury issues and they were just basically going too tight end. Goddard was getting the end zone more than Ertz was last year. Um, Ertz, everybody thinks of him as the leader there, but Goddard goes down and this team went to crap. Um, so I'm I'm thinking that they need his physicality. You know, both in the running game and the passing game. And I know he's going to come back in the next week or so. At least that's what the initial projections were. Maybe it'll be a little bit longer. I don't know. We'll see. But um, when Dallas Goddard comes back and they have a full complement of wide receivers, I think this team is poised to go on a run, but I do think they need Miles Sanders. So it's like every time they look like they're getting closer to the Eagles, it's like another injury happens in the offensive side of the ball. And, and it just makes the situation murky. We'll say... They did close the gap against the uh, Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Um, I picked them to cover and possibly upset the Ravens. That was looking like a really bad pick. And frankly, I don't really think that that game was ever super in doubt. Like, I never really... But I didn't watch it live, to be honest with you. Um, So, I don't know. David, you were probably watching or at least keeping track. Did Philadelphia have a chance to go for two at the end of the game to tie? Or was it a a distant? Um, At the end of the game, I don't think they were... Actually, they might have been. They might have been within two. I was watching the Reds. I know that they ended up on the highlights. Yeah, they ended up within two. I believe they might have gotten a touchdown and tried to go for two. I I just don't know what happened. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're down by two and Doug Peterson elected then to kick the extra point because that guy doesn't know what he's doing with the two-point conversion anyway. But um, look, back to the projections here. Look, I don't like anything the Giants are doing. If you're going to play somebody, I would play Devonta Freeman just because you would think he'd be you know, getting the most touches. It's nice that Slayton got into the end zone um, the last couple of weeks, but Philadelphia, I don't I don't like the matchup for him. Um, to me, it's all about Freeman and Slayton. Uh, maybe some Ingram. This week, my computers like Ingram a little bit more, um, but I don't like the matchup. I don't. And Philadelphia, their defense is playing better. 
I already rostered Philadelphia's defense for this matchup. I did it prior to, you know, the waiver wire because I need uh, Baltimore's on bye week and they're my defense. So I needed somebody to stream. I already rostered Philadelphia for this matchup. Um, Carson Wentz, fine, but not great. Fulgham, I, I think you play him this week. I like the matchup, but if Jeffrey's back, I don't think he will be back because it's a short week and he hasn't looked like he's been close yet. But um, if he comes back, maybe I take him back. But really, that's it for me. And Miles Sanders, but he's not going to play. So I don't like a lot other than the defenses in this game, David. <laughs> Let me jump away. in there because there's something you talk about that I think is really needs to be mentioned, especially from a fantasy football focus because – you talked about how you went and grabbed the Eagles defense this past week, yeah. looking ahead to this week's matchup against the Giants. And I think a lot of people are finding themselves in that situation, especially in deeper leagues. Like, I'm in a 14-team league. It's in the pros oh, with yeah. Joe's charity tournament. And we did the exact same thing. We picked up the Eagles defense this week, looking ahead to next week. And especially if you're in a league where – defensive scoring is brutal mm-hmm. in which it is in this pros versus Joe's tournament and you're looking at the defensive scoring like one to two to three points in a bad matchup you're seeing defenses go negative in bad oh, matchups yeah. mm-hmm. like if there's no defense out there good this week start thinking about picking up next week's stream for the defense and just playing no defense this week like we did it last week we had the Chargers defense who we were projecting to go against the Jets, it it all got switched up because of the cancellations. But they were facing the Saints. So me and my uh, Joe Derek Delgado, we picked up the Chargers defense saying, hey, we're going to play no defense this week, and then we'll have them next week against the Jets. So kind of get ahead, guys, if you need to, especially if you're in need of wins. Start thinking about just sacrificing the defense for a week and getting ahead, kind of being like an every other kind right. of defense week if if you need to. It's an option. Um, yeah. Quickly, quickly, talk about the Eagles. We talked about Fulgham last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe in Travis Fulgham. Uh, he showed it again, especially in a tough matchup against Baltimore. That's three straight games with the touchdown. You mentioned the two guys coming back. It just kind of shows, again, my ageism. You mentioned uh, about Jeffrey and, and Jackson, and I don't even care about those guys. The two guys who I would be concerned about would be who you mentioned, Dallas Goddard, and then yeah. Jalen Rager is the other guy who I would be yeah, sure, sure. A, a little bit more concerned about taking targets. But right now, Travis Fulgham, he looks like the guy. Zach Ertz got hurt again. You talk about Dallas Goddard. If you need the tight end, guys, this is your last chance to yeah. go get Dallas Goddard on the cheap to get him before his value comes back up as a healthy Goddard. He might be back this week. Short week against the Giants, so you he might not play this week. This is might be your last chance to go get Dallas Goddard. On the other side, the Giants, I don't love the matchup either. And I think Philadelphia, we are going to see a chance for some garbage points for Daniel Jones, so I don't think it's a terrible matchup. But again, we know Daniel Jones turns the ball over, fumbles the ball. This is a great matchup for that Philadelphia defense. Let me hit you with the line here. We have the New York Giants plus six, according to Bavada, versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Who you got? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Giants and the points here. It's division division matchup, no Sanders. I think it'll be at least a one score game. I I think this is the week that Philadelphia really breaks out 
And again, you know, I want to see what happens, um, but you got to figure Sanders isn't going to be there. I want to see a little bit of what happens with the other personnel. I'm inclined to take Philadelphia this week. Um, generally, as a rule of thumb, I stay away from Thursday games just because of the short prep week. You always get a, a lot of oddities. It's always a little bit lower scoring. Well, I shouldn't say always. And last year, it was a little bit higher scoring. And this year, the defenses are just bad across the board compared to what they're used to used to playing. Giants defense is good. Um, so look, you know, a, a 17 to 14 game game wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to take the Eagles. I reserve the right before Thursday to change that pick depending on the health of the freaking Eagles because they're just, my gosh, man, this team. There are a couple teams in the NFL that have just been snake bitten by injuries for like two years. The Colts with their wide receiving group, the Eagles with their receivers, and the 49ers, basically their entire team has just been injured for two straight years. And um, Chargers for about, yeah. what, seven, seven <laughs> yes. straight years? I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, maybe they need more calcium. Maybe they need more stretching. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's like... It's gotta be the medical stuff. It's, right, they're puncturing Tyrod Taylor's lung. That should give us the answer yeah, right there. There, there you if go. There was a question. Now we got our answer. And the Washington football team, they give everybody staff, as I uh, as I remind everybody. Every time they have a, they have a team surgery, they get staff infection, and they almost lose their legs or their careers or whatever. Uh, let's move on to the next game. Um, I think one of the most exciting matchups of the entire season. And there were some matchups in the first three weeks that they're like fun matchups on, on TV, but you don't really know how the season is shaking out. We know who the top and the creme de la creme of the NFL are at this point. The Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Tennessee Titans this week. The makeup game from a couple of weeks ago. I was sad that the last game got canceled. Both teams are still undefeated. Both teams look like they're playing well. I think one is playing a little bit better, which we'll get to when we talk about the line. Um, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I'll hit you with the uh, projections here. Ben Roethlisberger I have as a start. Um, James Conner, he looked really good yesterday. Nice vision, more power than I remember him having. He was feeling it yesterday, man. Uh, I like the way he's running, but look, I like when the Pittsburgh Steelers are bringing in like Snell and uh, McFarlane, whoever else they have, and I think that actually helps Conner stay fresh and stay powerful for the game. I like what he is. I like I like him as a start this week. Um, Juju I have as a start. Here's the deal. Deontay Johnson, I'm really curious to see what happens with Claypool's usage when Deontay Johnson comes back because Deontay Johnson's good enough to stay on the field, but I don't think you can push Claypool off the field. I feel like when Deontay Johnson comes back, James Washington's productivity at this point is going to go down. I wouldn't have said that three weeks ago. I'm saying it now, man. Claypool is the man. He's a beast. So I feel comfortable starting both Claypool and Johnson. If Johnson doesn't play, I would only start Claypool and I'd stay away from Washington. This offense definitely has the uh, the firepower to support three receivers. I would just stay away from Washington this week against Tennessee if um, if Deontay Johnson's in the lineup, um, or regardless, I should say, but Claypool, I'm starting regardless at this point, man. They're using him as a running back every week for crying out loud. And he's running people over. He's dude. He's so good. He's good. He's going to be a star. If you're in a dynasty league, we've already talked about this. Go get him. I don't care if you have to give up that strong running back, get him on your roster. You look at it this season. It's too late to get DK Metcalf. Now nobody's trading him. Claypool is that. Uh, but you know, heading into 2021, maybe by the end of the season, he's awesome. David and I can't say enough about him. On the Tennessee side, Ryan Tannehill's a start every week, everybody. We've been saying it. I said this last year, dude. He's legit. Get over it. And like everybody now is saying, let's put some respect on the Titans. We've respected the Titans for the history of the show. All 15 episodes, baby. Tennessee is for real. They are legit. Derrick Henry, 94-yard run yesterday. I popped the game over. I was channel surfing. I saw it first play. Derrick Henry takes it handoff. He doesn't look that fast. He doesn't look that fast, but damn it, he is that fast. Start him. Uh, AJ, John, uh, AJ Brown, start him. Uh, 
you know what? I'm actually off of the Tennessee receivers outside of A.J. Brown this week, although I, I know they have talent, Tennessee fans. I like them, just not this week. Jonu Smith, did he go down um, yesterday? Okay, so what? I, I don't know what his injury status. I didn't see it in the, the reporting today, this morning, when I looked before the show. Do you know what it is, David? Uh, I'm not sure. There's there's a lot of injury news that we're going to be waiting on this week. There are a few minor ones where we don't know exactly what happened, and we're going to have to probably wait till either today or tomorrow to find out. Yeah, I mean, I saw on the stat line because I was watching uh, the second half of the game, and you, we saw Ferkser, and Ferkser blows up when, when Jonu Smith is out because this offense likes tight end. I'm fine starting whoever the tight end is. I don't care if it's Ferkser. I don't care if it's Jonu Smith, but I didn't see. I, I, I think it might be minor because I didn't see it when I was running through the reports this morning, so I apologize, Tennessee. See fans for not having that information but I love it David why don't you take it away and talk about this game for a little bit yeah I don't have much to say about the Titans you you nailed it these guys are all automatic starts it doesn't matter who they're facing Pittsburgh defense you're starting them no matter what Ferkser he's the one guy I would like to talk about because in deeper tight end leagues or even 12 team leagues the tight end waiver wire is completely mm-hmm. bare we have some guys especially big names going on buys this week. Like I know Mark Andrews is going on a buy. Um, so they're, it's going to shallow the tight end pool even lesser. If you're in need of a fill-in, especially talk about Goddard might miss the Thursday game. Ferkser had eight for 113 yeah. in a touchdown on nine targets. That's that's significant production for a backup tight end because a lot of the times we see the starting tight end go down and the backup doesn't – doesn't come in and do anything. Yeah. It just ends up getting spread around to the wideouts, to the running backs. That's not what happened. Ferkser stepped right in, and they targeted him nine times. So absolutely, if you're a Jonu owner, if you're a guy with a tight end on a bye, if your tight end situation just sucks and you need a flyer and m- maybe Jonu's injury is serious, go get Ferkser because mm-hmm. that offense is loaded right now. He is on a plug-and-play, I think. I agree. He is a plug-and-play, absolutely. If Jonu's out, you got to start him at this point. On the other side of the ball, talk about Pittsburgh. You don't love Juju. This feels like the get-right game to me for Juju because talk about the Titans. They're going to put points on the board. Juju is a good player, and good players don't stay bad forever. And he's in he's in a funk right now, and at a certain point, he's going to break out of it. Yeah. The concern concern with you you mentioned Deontay Johnson again he's... quickly let me jump in on Juju I I, I apologize I, I I did say I didn't love him but he is a start for me this week what I meant by I didn't love him I didn't communicate well enough David that's my fault <laughs> um I look I, I think Juju is a start every week I agree with that I have him as a projected about like a 12 or a 13 which the computer projections say isn't going to get in the end zone but gets catches and yards um you know my my computer but I agree I mean a lot of that's going on what's going to happen this week you can't keep Juju down forever you just can't so I agree with with you I don't the my computer projections aren't great but I absolutely start him this week no question for me and this the squeaky wheel gets the grease eventually yeah. right now he is pretty pretty darn squeaky so <laughs> yeah and talk about Johnson he's gonna come back but that is gonna affect James Washington more than anyone to me Washington Agreed. had four, four for 68 for one touchdown there's no doubt in my mind who the number one wide receiver is in Pittsburgh and there wasn't even before this game it's it's Chase Claypool and you talked a little bit about how they used him on the reverses. That is significant because it's not just reverses. It's reverses around the goal line. I know. So this yeah. guy is like a uh, de facto goal line back for them as well. Yeah. And just, just the way they're getting him the ball involved, they're lining him up all over the field on the outside. They're using him on flies where he's just 
running past defenders. They're giving him jump balls where he's just bullying them in the air. They're getting in the ball on quick slants, letting him do yards after uh, damage after the catch. They're getting him the ball behind the line of scrimmage on screens. They're giving him the reverses. They're getting this guy involved in every single way possible. Yep. And he looks good. He hasn't faltered at any point. So Chase Claypool, like we said, go get him in every format. Redraft Dynasty. I gave up 2021-1 last week before this game for Claypool. The price has only, only gone up yep. since then. Yep. It's only going to continue to rise. So there's still a slight buy window. If you believe in this guy is the next big thing, your opponent might not be ready to make that leap. Go go pay for Chase Claypool because you'll end up getting a deal in the long run. Yeah, and one other note on him. So there was a, there was a snap. Pittsburgh fans know this if you're watching the game. But there was a snap where um, Cleveland jumped off sides, um, but they didn't encroach. Um, so the play was still active. What did Ben Roethlisberger do? He threw the ball, literally threw the ball straight in the air. It was like he was playing 500. I mean, he threw the ball straight in the air deep to Claypool. For that, right? A couple seasons ago, it might have been A.J. Brown years ago. It might have been Juju last year or two years ago or whatever. This year, he gets that play and he goes, oh, I'm going to throw it to Claypool. That's all you need to know here. Roethlisberger loves him. Um, the, the cat's out of the bag, as the announcers said during the uh, during the game this week. He's awesome, man. Pick him up if you can, and he's worth the spend. It's only going to get more expensive, and he's going to be basically untradeable Possibly by the end of the, this year, uh, early next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out. But you know, a Steelers fan has him in my league. There's no way I'm getting them. I wish. <laughs> and he had him, ro- dude. He had him rostered um, in the draft. I mean, he drafted him and, and had him. So he was never been available. And uh, I don't think he's gonna become available. Not for like outside, like a ro- running back one. And I can't disagree with the man. The potential is there. Let me hit you with the line here on this one. Uh, Pittsburgh, according to Bavada, minus one point five versus Tennessee. This is going to be a great game. Mm-hmm. I think, I think I'm going to take. I think I'm going to take Tennessee because they are just. They seem to be facing every form of adversity, and the Texans gave them a real, a real run at it, and they they fought back and they came back. They can run. They can pass. The only question is the defense. Pittsburgh's probably a little bit more of a complete team, mm-hmm. but right now Tennessee is just on fire. So I'm going to take the Titans. You know, I, I think when this game was originally there, if I'm not mistaken, this game was Tennessee plus three. Uh, now it's Tennessee plus one and a half. And and what I said originally was uh, these two teams to me are so similar and so evenly matched. And they're both, to me, top three teams in the AFC, um, maybe top four. You know, what do you do here? And what I said last time is I'm going to take the points. This time, look, the way Pittsburgh handled the Cleveland running game and Tennessee's better than Cleveland. Make no bones about it. Tannehill's better than Mayfield. Henry is better than what Cleveland was fielding in the run game yesterday. Make no bones about it. But Pittsburgh showed me this week that their defense can play 60 minutes of football. And that's the first time I had seen that from Pittsburgh. So because of that, I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover this spread. But this is not a game I would bet money on. Um, you know, it, to me, Tennessee at home getting points. Really, to me, this game should be a push. And I bet you by the end of the week, it will be a push. Pittsburgh has shown me defensively that they're just a little bit ahead of where Tennessee is defensively at this point, and that's why I give Pittsburgh the edge here. But I am just sitting back watching this and enjoying this because these are two teams that are built to make deep playoff runs. They can both run. They can both pass. Tennessee's defense, I know it has the potential, just not as good as Pittsburgh's defense is today. That's why I'm going there. But respect for a lot. I mean, both top five teams in the NFL for me, no question. Um, Top teams in the AFC, the deep AFC. 
great game. Can't wait to watch. Next game on the list, we got the Dallas Cowboys versus the Washington football team. Full disclosure to the crowd here, we have not watched the Andy Dalton-led Dallas Cowboys yet. We record these on Monday morning. So we're just going to assume that everybody's healthy, and I'm going to assume that Andy Dalton was awesome because, look, I don't know. Am I going to look like an idiot? I don't know, but I started him in my fantasy league. I picked him up. David, here's a story for you. You know how I've been talking about quarterback, right? I went like eight deep on running backs. I have the craziest running back depth in the history of me playing fantasy football this year. Out on quarterbacks, I had nothing. And then Andy Dalton went down with injury. I'm sorry, uh, Dak Prescott went down with injury. I put the waiver claim in. I don't even think I released this video until my waivers were cleared last week, just to make sure my anybody in my league who watched. But I got him on the waivers, and I'm like, okay, Dallas quarterback, I like Dalton. I like the system that he's in, and I think he's going to be able to execute the system. The guy who had Dak Prescott waved him. So then I went back, and it's a dynasty league. I picked Dak Prescott up. Nobody picked him up. So I got Dak Prescott. I have Dallas quarterback, regardless of contract situation injury, for the next you know probably like five years. So Can I'm I set get in on this league? What's that? <laughs> Can I get in on this? Hey, week? man, um, we'll see because we might have, we might have some some openings next year. But yeah, so I'm Jeez. set, it man. I'm set. I was I was a little. The only bummer is I had to drop Tannehill to pick up Dak Prescott. I had to, and I I love Tannehill. I've been saying it all year, but I had to drop him. I made the decision for Andy Dalton in this system. I don't know if that's right or not, but I had to drop somebody. It was Tannehill. And I think I'm going to be able to grab him because nobody respects Tannehill yet. But anyway, back to the projections here. Dallas, look, I don't know what they're going to do against Arizona. I think they're going to win the game. Whether or not we're right about that, and and you took them too, David, last week. Whether or not we're right about that, we'll see. We might look like morons uh, by the time people are watching this. But I think Dallas wins the game. I think Andy Dalton will be able to do well in this system. Let me hit you uh, with the the projections here. Um, Red Rifle, man. I'm taking him. Start him. Start him. I don't care what I don't even care what happens against the Cardinals. Start him against Washington. Uh, Zeke, you start him. Uh, the receivers, you start him. You mentioned last week. I think it's a real thing. We'll get some confirmation today. Dalton looked like he did really, uh, really well with Gallup versus Amari Cooper um, when he came in in that limited action in the fourth quarter. We're gonna see, man. If Gallup has a huge game, I might make my switch here. But for now, I'm gonna say Cooper and Lamb are the starts. But if it looks like Gallup is popping, you know, I'd be comfortable starting all three. Dalton Schultz is. He has an okay projection, computer projection. Washington's been doing okay against tight ends. I'd probably sit Schultz if you have other options. But again, you know, tight end is thin as David's been talking about. For Washington, Kyle Allen is better for this offense than Haskins was. Uh, it's Dallas, so I think if you're playing daily fantasy, you play him. But it's not like I'm going to be starting Kyle Allen this week in my redraft leagues or anything like that. Maybe at Superflex, I think you start him. I think it's worth it based on Dallas's defense struggling. Um, Antonio Gibson, I think you can start. I don't know why J.D. McKissick out-touched him this week. That bugs me. Um, let's see here. Terry McLaurin, I like a lot more. Uh, Dentrell Inman, because again, because of Dallas, maybe he's a daily fantasy play. Logan Thomas, nice to see him in the end zone. I think that will be more of the norm um, than the exception uh, based on you know Washington just having competent quarterback play. So I think you can start him. Again, um, waiver wires bare. You can still get Logan Thomas because he stunk in the first few games, um, thanks to, in my opinion, Dwayne Haskins' um, uh, quarterback play. But I think you can start Logan Thomas, and I think he's another sneaky tight end that you can roster if you're if you're really thin at that spot. Take it away, David. Yeah, I mean, me and you seem to be way higher on Andy Dalton than than the everybody. consensus. And yeah. I don't know. I thought everybody was going to be all in it on this guy just based on the Dallas offense, the way they're playing, the way they have no defense, the way he came in and completed nine of eleven passes when he came in for Dak. So. Like we said, I'm expecting crazy things for Andy Dalton tonight. Uh, I put out about 
$30 worth in prop bets on Andy Dalton, taking the over <laughs> hey, on everything, yeah. over on yards, over on completions, over on touchdowns. I was looking at the DraftKings salaries for, for this night, and basically every quarterback's over 7000 You talk about Mahomes, Josh Allen, and um, Kyler Murray. Mm -hmm. They got Andy Dalton down there at 5200 So I think there's – if you're playing DraftKings tonight, Andy Dalton, absolutely. I think there is – just he's being way underrated right now and next week i do think it's going to be more of a zeke game because washington they're just not a good team right now i think mm -hmm. this is that zeke week we've been waiting for where you know he likes to have those two three touchdown 100 yard games i think that's going to be the week this week and if you got a, a football teamer on your roster it's the week to use them guys because oh, yeah. it's the dallas cowboys antonio gibson he's probably going to be a top five ranked running back for me this week McLaurin, you obviously know what to do with him. And then the guy who we really need to talk about, who a lot of people don't know what to do with, that's Logan Thomas, guys. Yeah. We talked about the tight end streamers. If you need something out there, Logan Thomas probably still out there. I believe he only had one catch each of the past two games, so he kind of nosedived and everybody forgot about him. He's still alive. He's still getting <laughs> a large percentage of the snaps. He's on the field. That's the most important part, yeah. guys. He's on the field near 100% of the snaps, 3 for 42 and a touchdown this past week. I'm going back to the Logan Thomas well, especially in DFS this week against the Cowboys. I think he's got a great shot getting into the end zone. Yeah, I mean, that, that first game that um, Kyle Allen started, first of all, he only played a half. Second of all, it was a slop game. I mean, it was driving rain. Nobody could throw the ball with any efficiency, including golf. Um, so... Uh, look more to last week to see what the offense is going to do. It, Kyle Allen will be better for this team, which is great for for you if you have McLaurin, if you have uh, Gibson, if you have everybody else. McKissick, though, I mean, he gets a, he gets a he got more carries than I expected him to get yesterday. But you know, he's always involved in the passing game. I'd love to see that workload transferred to Gibson. It's the weirdest thing that they they give. I mean, what is Gibson? Gibson is an X wide receiver. And he's but giving... so is McKissick. So yeah, is okay, McKissick. fair enough. He also played receiver in, in college as well. That's they a good like poll. I didn't, I didn't know that history. So good poll, yeah. David. I appreciate you keeping me honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but you and me again, Dalton. I mean, look, he's got Lamb, he's got Gallup, he's got Schultz, who's better than ever anybody thought he was coming into the season. He's got Cooper. I mean, he's got weapons. And Dalton and Zeke his... can catch the ball. Who? Zeke can, catch yeah, the, Zeke. Zeke can catch the ball. Pollard can catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, I got I have some ground to make up tonight in uh, Cardinals versus Cowboys. Again, we'll see how that game goes because we're recording before then. But I have some ground to make up. I have Zeke and I have Dalton, and I feel okay about it. I do. And I let mean, me say one more thing yeah. about Andy Dalton because I said it last week, and in case you missed it, I'm willing to drop both Tom Brady and Drew Brees for Andy Dalton in one QB formats, guys. Like, I'm ready to make the leap. And yeah. I think you should be, too. If you don't have one of those difference-making quarterbacks, the Josh Allens of the world, Lamar Jackson, Kyler, Deshaun's, Andy Dalton could be that next guy who's who's the one step down from that group. Andy Dalton's been a really good regular season quarterback when his coaching has been okay in the NFL. He's been a top-10 fantasy football quarterback before, and he has the best weapons of his career offensively. He's got a nice system. Um, and he's got a full week of practice. Again, you know, we'll see what happens. We might look like complete idiots, you know, depending on what happens with the Cowboys this evening. But I'm going to tell you, I don't care what happens. This is the first week of him. Like, I can deal with even a subpar performance. And if he comes out and throws four or five touchdowns, we're going to look like geniuses. I'm willing to make the bet. I don't care what we look like because regardless of what happens on Monday Night Football, I'm buying on Dalton. It's it, The weapons are too good, and he's an efficient passer. I, I don't care. I can deal with him throwing one or two interceptions a game if he's getting me four touchdowns a game. And he has that 
that kind of uh, capability um, out of the, everywhere. Every everybody's a weapon on this team. Shoot, they could probably line up a an offensive tackle at wide receiver, and he'd be able to have great hands. It's just the Cowboys are built to score, man. Anyway, let me hit you with the line: Dallas minus three versus Washington. Who you got? That's it. That's it. I am. I'm gonna go and bet some money on this game. I'll tell you that much. We'll I'm get taking, in on it early because the lines have been shifting. Cowboys. You're taking Dallas. Yeah. Yep. Uh, look, Washington. It's a division game. Washington does not like Dallas. I know that very well from growing up as a Washington fan. Um. I look. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. We said it last week. I'm gonna say it again. Is it possible that Andy Dalton is a more efficient passer than Dak Prescott at this stage in their careers? It's possible. It's possible. Now he's not going to get you the athletic runs. Um, you know, he's not he's not really going to like you know get you stretching plays and all that. But he can dink and dunk, man. I mean, like, I'm going to take Dallas. I do think it'll be somewhat of a closer game, but a three line. And I do like Kyle Allen and, and the influence there. But you know, Washington's offense will score more against Dallas, but I don't think they'll score enough. So I'll take Dallas. I'll take Dallas and and uh, and lay the three points. Next game on the list: Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets. Um, kind reminder to our audience: because we record on Monday morning, we don't know what happened when the Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City Chiefs game. So we're assuming everybody looked about as good as they normally look for Buffalo and uh, and escaped without injury. Let's cross our fingers. We've had enough injury in fantasy football realm. Let me hit you with the uh, the projections here. Um, look, it's Buffalo versus the Jets. Start your Bills and sit your Jets. Um, you can start Crowder. That's it. If you're if if you're starting New York Jets, I think you'd be fine starting Crowder, working the middle of the field. Actually, I think I like that matchup quite a bit. Um, it might even be one I'd I'd buy in daily fantasy uh, and and splurge on the Crowder budget at this point. Uh, let me see. Is there anybody I would sit for Buffalo rather than the start? I don't love the matchup for either John Brown or Gabriel Davis. Don't love the matchup there, but you know if you want to start him, that's fine. Diggs is definitely a start, assuming he's fully healthy and, and escaped without injury on Monday Night Football. Allen could have his best game of the season. Singletary probably will have his best game of the season. Um, start your Bills, sit your Jets. There you go. Let's keep it simple. What do you think, David? I'm not going to spend too much time either. I, I just want to talk about one guy, and that's LaMichael Pirine, mm. who I know, guys, it's the Jets, but it's also a running back, which is pretty dang hard to find especially in deeper leagues and i know he didn't do anything to pop out um on the box score but he did have seven for 27 which is somewhat efficient rushing 3.9 yards per carry he did have two receptions i think the selling point here is that he out snapped frank gore 37 snaps to 25 he ran 15 routes to gore's 10 routes he had three targets to gore's four targets and he got a touch in the red zone where Gore didn't get a touch in the red zone. I'm stealing these stats from mm-hmm. uh, the pod father who posted a tweet about it just, just to give credit where credit's due. But P. Ryan already starting to overtake Frank Gore. I yeah. mean, it, guys, it's Frank Gore. We get it. He's, I think he called him Adam Gase's stepson last week or, <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Adam Gase loves Frank Gore, but he's possibly, very possibly going to be fired at some point. The new coaching staff, they're, they're going to want to get a look at P. Ryan. And he's he's gonna be running the routes. He's gonna be that third down back. He's gonna be catching the ball. I think if he's still available, you gotta go out and spend some fab on him. If you got a top waiver claim, you gotta go out and and use your top waiver claim on P Ryan because there ain't mm. there's not a whole lot else out there at running back. You know, I I woke up. I actually tweeted this morning. I woke up. I was shocked that Adam Gase survived the night. Uh, you, you get shut out, and, and we, all? we like Miami a little bit more um, than than others. Um, so I look, I wasn't shocked that Miami housed the Jets, 
But if you get shut out against Miami and you can't make it work, your personality is so toxic that you got to trade all of your Pro Bowl talent away. Come on, guys. Enough is enough. Like, what do you need to see? I guess maybe Woody Johnson wants wants them to be so bad that maybe they can start fresh, um, you know, in the draft. But then what do you do with Darnold and, and all this stuff? We talked about it before. But I cannot believe that Gase survived the night. It makes Unreal. you wonder who's making the decisions, too, because if this is Joe Douglas, the GM's decision, who's trying to keep Gase around, it's going to cost him his job at some point, too. And I, I kind of like Joe Douglas and – that's just because I'm a Ravens fan, and he he comes from the Ravens organization, and we tend to have good front office people. Sure. So, but I'll tell you what, if if he don't get fired, Joe Douglas is starting to get on the hot seat too. Yeah, D- Dimitrov in Atlanta went down with the ship with Quinn, and the same is going to be the case. I mean, there's no argument for keeping Gase around at this point. It's just it's bad. He's toxic. His personality is toxic. Th- Greg there's Williams. One is, argument. What's there's that? One argument. Get the best draft pick. Trevor Lawrence. There you go. Yeah, I mean, only argument that you're right. I mean, you're right. And and Greg Williams, his personality is toxic. I just, what do you do? Sorry, Jets fans. I actually was high on them. I look talk about you know things he completely whiffed on. I thought the Jets were going to finish on the over um, in their season win total, and the the wheels come off. And I think it's a. I think it's a. I don't think it was a, a talent thing. I don't think it was a talent thing. But I do now. Awful. Anyway, uh, Buffalo. Here's the line. Buffalo minus ten. Uh, according to Bavada versus the Jets, who you got? Buffalo. No question. I'm, picking, I'm picking against the Jets in every game going forward. I, I, I think I said this last week. I don't care how big the spread is. I don't, I, I don't know why this isn't a two-touchdown game. Maybe because the Jets are at home. I don't know why. I, there's no reason. Assuming Buffalo, again, we're recording this on Monday morning before the Buffalo games. Assuming Buffalo didn't have massive injuries or anything like that on Monday Night Football, there's no reason this game should be under a 14-point spread. And I, I have no doubt. I bet you by Sunday it's a 17 I bet you it'll be over two touchdowns because there's no the, the Jets have not shown us anything that would lead us to believe they can compete with a team like Buffalo. The matchup is awful. The matchup is awful. Like if they matched up well and all that stuff, that that's one thing. The matchup is awful on top of Buffalo just being a better team. Anyway, Buffalo definitely. Next game on the list, we got Carolina, uh, the Carolina Panthers versus the New Orleans Saints. The Saints defense, you know, they're one of these teams that you think they have a better defense. They should have a better defense. And their defense just isn't showing up in all of the matchups. I've been saying this for a while. Like, their secondary seems to only show up when they think that they have a tough matchup. Like, when they're they're always ready to play, like, Julio Jones. But are they ready to play DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? This is, like, one of these games where I don't think, like, the New Orleans— I think they're just going to be on the couch all week eating Cheetos. And they'll be like, ah, we'll take care of it on Sunday. And so, like, New Orleans, you know— they're they're better and they're kind of annoying me because they're not fulfilling their potential. But the season's young yet, and they're you know I think they still have a winning record, so I'm not going to hit them too hard here. Carolina, because of New Orleans's secondary not really playing up to their potential, and that's the key here. I'm not hating on New Orleans. You got the potential. Let's see it. Um, I think Bridgewater's a start this week. You can stream him. Um, I think that Mike Davis is a start every week. We'll see what happens when Christian McCaffrey comes back. You know they're going to be working him back in sometime in the next you know three to four weeks. I would think probably sooner than that. Uh, but Mike Davis is a start anytime he's on the field at this point. DJ Moore is startable. I like Robbie Anderson more this week, um, as I probably do every week, to be honest with you. That's it for Carolina. For New Orleans, uh, Breeze, I don't love. I do love, however, Alvin Kamara. I think he's going to have a huge game. I think that Michael Thomas, I'm suspecting he will be back um, coming off the bye week. Uh, he's a start definitely every week. Assuming that's the case, if you want to start Emmanuel Sanders, that's fine. Traquan Smith was 
impressing me more to start the year, but I think Emmanuel Sanders is he's comfortable with the offense. Breeze is comfortable with him. I think they figured it out. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is your second option there. And then if you like, you need a tight end, I think cook is a great tight end uh, to stream. If he's available, he is for some reason in my league, if you need to stream a tight end, but uh, yeah, cook, I think we'll get in the end zone this week. Take it away, David. Yeah, that'll be the end of Traquan Smith. As we knew it. I, I those two touchdowns games, you had to pay attention to him after that. Yeah. And we wanted to stash him last week just to see maybe if he could do anything when Michael Thomas is back. Clearly, Emmanuel Sanders yeah. took over as Drewby's relied upon target when Michael Thomas was out. So I think we can expect it's going to be Thomas and Sanders show when Thomas is back. You had already said it with Alvin Kamara. Guys, Carolina Panthers, number one fantasy matchup for running backs by far, by a mile. Even Dave Montgomery, who did crap, got into an end zone, into the end zone, scored like 14 points. I think even Latavius Murray. He's he's a dart throw that you can if you're tough at running back if you don't have the options you've been hit by injuries he's a DFS dart throw too as well he could end up having one or two rushing touchdowns this week for the Saints I do like them coming off the bye I tend to like teams coming off the bye a little bit more mm-hmm. I still like Teddy Bridgewater in this game he's this season has run hot and cold you know he's either been really hot or really cold last week really cold. Uh, it's eight, 16 of 29, 216 yards, no touchdowns, two picks against the Bears. It's the revenge game, guys. Teddy Bridgewater against the Saints. He knows the Saints' defense. He done practiced with him for two years. So I think he's going to come in ready to play. He's going to come in wanting to prove something, that they made a mistake letting him go and bring in Jameis Winston as the future of that team. Because I don't know. We, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater wanted to stay there. But I'll tell you what. They they clearly didn't make an all-out effort to bring him back, or else right. he would have been back. So there's got to be something personal for him to play for there. And for as the wide receivers go, oh, thank God, DJ Moore. Tough matchup. That was the litmus test against the Bears. Yeah. Is DJ Moore really going to be just something who's going to give us a headache all year? Or is he someone who we were probably overrating the headaches? And it looks like we were probably overrating the headaches a little bit. He's He had two for like 65 in his worst game. Got you like not eight and a half PPR points. So it really ain't been that bad this year. He had five for 93 last week in a good matchup. Finally outproduced Robbie Anderson in a game. So DJ Moore, um, he, he's an absolute every week start for me going forward. I, I'm no longer panicking on him. Yeah, a couple of notes there. Uh, first of all, Kamara. So it, it very rarely happens, but <clears throat> sometimes my computer projections will spit back a projection so insane that I almost, before I publish them, I almost have to, to like actually knock down the point projection just so it's not so eye-popping. This is one of those weeks where Kamara is actually projected to get over 40 points in my computer projections. That's hot. Like, even when 30 points happen, I'm like, oh, I got to snap that guy. I'll pay the budget to snap up a guy when he's getting over 30 in, in Daily Fantasy, right? A guy like Kamara, you know he's going to cost a lot. He's projected over 40, but I will say this. You mentioned Latavius Murray. The last time, because Kamara, there was one other time this season where he went over 40 in his projection, and that was the week that Latavius Murray came in and got two touchdowns, and Kamara still got in the end zone and, and scored a lot of points too. So the projections, um, look, I mean... It, 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 there's going to be opportunity for, for Latavius Murray this week. Let's just say it that way. As for DJ Moore, you know, it's one of these things. I have a lot of readers, and it happens to everybody, right? Like, what do you do the first two or three weeks of the season when this guy that you drafted in the first three to four rounds isn't doing anything? And I'm always like, look, you draft the star. They're going to have bad games throughout the season. Be patient. And you think about it this way with DJ Moore, and, and who knows what will happen with the rest of the year. It does look like Robbie Anderson will consistently out-target him. It th- That does look that way, but... 
look, if you had DJ Moore and he got you a touchdown the first three or four weeks of the season, all every game he got you a touchdown for the first four weeks, and then he gave you two or three games where he got like three catches for 50 yards and no touchdowns, would you hit the reset button then knowing what you saw to begin the year? You wouldn't, right? You wouldn't hit the panic button. You'll say, yeah, he'll be fine. He got the touchdowns. He'll be fine. But because he starts the season cold, everybody wants to sell or wave or trade and everything. And I think over time, especially with those early round picks, it usually works out better. I would say statistically speaking, it works out better if you're patient with them. And I think that's what will happen with DJ Moore. I'm not worried that the Carolina Panthers' offense didn't look great against Chicago. I picked Chicago to cover the spread. Everybody hates Chicago because they're not, they're not an exciting team to watch. It's like eating vanilla ice cream, you know? It's just like nobody nobody really wants to respect them, but they're 5-1 and one and their defense is legit. So, you know, it, there's no shame in losing to that team. Carolina's a pretty decent squad. This would be a nice test. I'll be curious to see what happens in this game. Let me hit you with the line here. Carolina, according to Bavada, minus 7.5. Who you got? I'm going to take the points here just because, like I said, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to come to play. I agree. I actually had New Orleans by six, so I'll take the points. That extra half point over a touchdown. Um, Carolina's not a bad team, and because New Orleans, look, I would think New Orleans is more likely to cover the spread against Tampa Bay. I think they're more likely to cover the spread against, shoot, against Kansas City. These teams where, like, the defensive back has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they need to be up for the game. Um, this is not the game where the defensive backfield is going to be intimidated for New Orleans. It's just not. That's that's how they've been playing for the last two or three years, in my opinion. Um, so I'll take Carolina to keep this game close enough to cover a seven and a half spread. Next game, we got the Cleveland Browns, who came off a really bad defeat against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got the Cleveland Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I thought the Browns were going to put up a little bit more of a fight against the Steelers than we saw. But look, what what we saw um, with the Steelers is the Steelers had a really nice um, plan for the stretch run game for Cleveland. That put Baker Mayfield, we said it last week, I got hammered on YouTube, I get hammered every time I say this, that puts Baker Mayfield in a position where he has to drop back and throw the ball to Odell Beckham when Odell Beckham's being double covered. That's not Cleveland's game, everybody. I like Cleveland. I think they're a good team. They're 4-2. and two. I don't think they're a Super Bowl caliber team, and I don't think Baker Mayfield is the type of quarterback at this point in his career where he can say, ah, screw it, the running game's not going, let me put up 35. There are very few quarterbacks who can do that. I can name a couple right now. Patrick Mahomes. Um, uh, ben Roethlisberger can do that. Uh, Russell Wilson can do that. Josh uh, Allen is proving himself to do that. That's a very rarefied error. Baker Mayfield is not a top five, top six quarterback, everybody. I don't think anybody would argue that. So when I say Baker Mayfield is not a top flight quarterback and can't get it done when everything is on his shoulders, look, this isn't Oklahoma, man. It's the NFL. Pittsburgh shut down the run. They made Cleveland one-dimensional. Odell Beckham was locked up, double-covered. This is not a shock to us. David's been talking about it all year with Odell Beckham, the passing game for Cleveland. I have been saying, look, if Cleveland can't get the running game going, it's going to be hard. They like to control the ball and control the clock. When they can't do that, it's a problem for them. And I would say the same thing of the Baltimore Ravens, David. You're Baltimore Ravens. If they can't dominate this, the clock and assert their will offensively early in the game, the game tends to be a little bit closer at the end of the game. Add to that that Pittsburgh can put up points at the level that Pittsburgh puts up points. And by then, by the basically in the second half, the third quarter, that running game, you can't even run anymore because you didn't have enough time to run the ball. So anyway, getting back to Cleveland, I like Cleveland. I think they're going to rebound and play nice against Cincinnati. I think this is a nice matchup for them to get right. Uh, let me hit you with the stats. I don't like Baker Mayfield this week. I like um, Kareem Hunt this week. And I, in fact... 
Look, I would say I like um, Dearness Johnson, but he's not getting enough snaps. So I'm just going to say, hey, let's just play Hunt and ignore the other guy. I think Odell Beckham gets into the end zone this week. I'm not worried about what Pittsburgh did. Um, And I would say Austin Hooper uh, at tight end has a really good chance to get in the end zone. Cincinnati, on the other hand, I'm not starting Burrow, but I do like the passing game. I do like Mixon this week. I haven't said that in a few weeks. I like him this week. Um, which means he's probably going to get one carry for like four yards and a fumble or something like that. Every time I like Mixon, he sucks, so that's the kiss of death. Uh, T. Higgins, I'm liking more and more. David, I got to say, man, you were the first one to really be touting T. Higgins. Congrats to you. He's looking better and better every single week. I like Tyler Boyd. I'm selling on A.J. Green um, and everybody else, basically. So I like Boyd, and I like T. Higgins, and I like Mixon and nobody else from the Bengals. Take it away. Will the real Baker Mayfield please <laughs> sit down? <laughs> I don't want him to stand up. I think that's my point because I do not believe in Baker Mayfield. I think the real Baker Mayfield is a guy who does. He needs to sit down. He's going to be pushed out of this league as a starter. He needs to be, at this point, put in the perfect situation, coached perfectly with the perfect play calling in the right matchup to perform well or he falls apart this guy cannot handle the pressure he cannot and been, i've been saying this for weeks about odell beckham guys he is the most predictable fantasy asset in fantasy land right now which is not necessarily a terrible thing guys you sit him in bad matchups and you play him in good matchups for the same reason baker mayfield because baker mayfield can't handle the tough matchups he can't handle the pressure but when they're in a good matchup, Kevin Stefanski is such a good play caller. He's got this team just organized so well offensively mm-hmm. that Odell Beckham will blow up. And I absolutely am starting him against the Bengals. Yep. And again, this is absolutely going to be another chance where if you want out on the roller coaster ride, sell high after this, guys. But stop getting duped into last week's results and starting Odell Beckham in bad matchups just because he did good the week before, guys. Stop stop playing last week's game because it's predictable, and he's going to disappear in these tough matchups. And that was the selling point against Odell Bell, uh, keeping Odell Beckham for the whole season, is mm-hmm. that week 14, who do they play? Who do they play in the first round of the fantasy playoffs? They play the Baltimore Ravens, yep. guys, who have a good defense, who shut down the Cleveland Browns and shut down Odell Beckham in week one. So he's going to disappear week 14. Put that in Sharpie. Don't put it in pencil. He's going to (laughs) disappear week 14. So you need to start thinking about that. One, can my team get through week 14 with Odell Beckham disappearing? And is it worth getting to those week 15 and 16 matchups where he does have good matchups and you will want him in the lineup? So it's not necessarily just sell Odell Beckham away because he's going to be useless because he won't be useless. He will have those good matches, but you need to be prepared and have a plan B for week 14 because it's coming and it ain't going to be pretty. I do. I was going to say with Baker Mayfield, I I do disagree slightly. And I, I emphasize slightly. I think that, I think he is a player that can play under pressure. And when I mean pressure, I mean external pressure, not literally like pressure, like the, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers are, are hitting him. He got beat up yesterday. So some of the some of the ownership has to go on the Cleveland offensive line, who's great in the running game. We know they're great in the running game. Um, and look, a, a Pittsburgh's defense does that to a lot of teams. And like I said, I, like I said, the Pittsburgh segment, they played the best football. Their defense played the best football of um, of the season. They were ready to go in this division matchup, man. They were ready to go. And B- Baker was hurt 
Um, and, and at the end of that first half, man, he was walking off like he just got a proctology exam. I mean, he was walking off the field like, like a, oh my gosh, you could see him wincing, but not, you know, it was like, kind of like when like a girl kicks you in the nuts in the playground and like you, you want to cry, but you don't want to cry in front of your friends. That's exactly what Baker Mayfield looked like. It was like, you could see like the, anyway, so I, I'm, I'm not hating on Mayfield, but I do agree with you, man. Like, again, I, I say this and people, fans like always think that I'm throwing hate at people. Look, Baker Mayfield is never going to be Patrick Mahomes. Is that the end of the world? Like, is that news to, to 31 other fan bases in the league? He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be Russell Wilson. He can be a decent quarterback. And when I say decent, I mean, he could be like a Kirk Cousins, who was a top 10 fantasy football quarterback when he had everything going right for him in, in a great play caller. He can be that guy eventually. He's not there yet. He's not. He's got to grow into that. So we'll see. But again, that's a very Look, slight disagreement. Can I jump in there real Please. quick, too? Because I get it with Baker Mayfield. But you talk about if he's put in the good situation. Yeah. The offensive line, we cannot blame the offensive line. Maybe this is just PF, PFF doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah. And I still have to clarify this because I just saw this on Twitter and mm-hmm. I, I didn't actually check rings. PFF has the Browns ranked as the number one pass blocking unit no this kidding. season. Number one graded pass blocking unit. So Baker Mayfield has had the help. He has had the structure. And he's he still doesn't seem to be getting it done when he, when he gets put in a not perfect situation. It falls apart. Seems to crumble. Yeah, it's you know, it's it goes back to I mean, again, Cleveland, you're you're I don't think the sky is falling for Cleveland. I mean, Pittsburgh was ready, and Pittsburgh's a better team, man. They're just a better team now. Uh, and again, that, that's not a shock to me. I don't think it's a shock to most people. But, you know, Cleveland, you're 4-1, and one, and you're like, this is the game. We beat Pittsburgh. We take control of the division, blah, 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 you know, w- with respect to Baltimore, of course, who they lost to earlier this year. But they're just, look, they're, they're to me, they're like a 6 or 7 playoff seed if things kind of stack right for them. There's a lot of competition for those seeds. There's no shame in losing. There's no shame in even getting housed like they got housed yesterday. And when they play Pittsburgh next time, I'm sure it'll be a closer game when they get them at home and all that stuff. Pittsburgh, it was a buzzsaw this week. It happens. But um, but I, you you and me, David, I think are closer in agreement um, with Mayfield. I think he can eventually put up stats. It's just not not ready yet. But anyway, back to, back to you. I think you might want to talk about Cincinnati a little bit. Yeah, Cincinnati, man. Joe Burrow, I... You sure? I don't know exactly the words came out your mouth. It didn't say start him every week. I tell you that because that's what's coming out of my mouth. I'm, <laughs> I'm higher on Joe Burrow. Mm. The only time I'm not starting him is when he's facing like the Baltimore Ravens or like the Steelers per se or like a crazy good defense. He's mm. got 300 passing yards in every game except for his first start as a rookie, right. first start ever, and against the Ravens. He, they're just throwing the ball so they much are. right now. And, th- and this was a good Colts defense. Still th- threw the ball 313 yards, didn't get in the end zone, one interception. I absolutely expect them to get this ball in the end zone against the Browns passing defense. So Joe Burrow, he's an every-week star. Even in one QB formats, I think he's deserving of consideration. T, Higgins, guys, every week start at this point. I mean... <laughs> At this point, look at, again, it's the schedule, too, going forward. They face, who do they face week 14 of the fantasy playoffs? You Can can you guys tell? I like looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs yep. a little bit. They face the Dallas Cowboys, mm, guys. Nice. If you can buy T. Higgins. He's, he's still got the rookie hate against him. He's like a high-end wide receiver, too, right now. 
who you can probably pay a wide receiver three price to acquire in a redraft league. Yeah, uh, and and the the projection actually isn't bad on Burrow. It's just that I have other quarterbacks projected much higher. Um, so I think this is going to be a nice week for points, a nice week if you're better to bet the over. And speaking of betting, the line I'm going to hit you with it here, David. Cleveland, according to Bavana, minus three and a half versus Pitt, uh, Cincinnati. Who do they got, or who do you have? You know, I think that's probably getting a little bit of hate for Cleveland for how bad they just get demolished. I think you're right. This is still a good Cleveland team. This Cincinnati team is not ready to compete. They're not ready to actually win games. And I don't think the Colts were very good. So I'm going to take Cleveland uh, to win by a touchdown here in this game. Yeah, no disrespect to Cincinnati, but Cleveland, I think, is is a cut above. I mean, they're probably two years ahead, maybe one year ahead in their development plan. I do think the Cleveland's defense will rebound, um, and I think Cleveland's run game will rebound, and that's the key, man. When, when Cleveland can run the ball 20 to 30 times a game, make that opposing defense tired, they can impose their will. Then you get Odell Beckham on the one-on-one matchups on the bootleg, and he's open deep like, you know, five times a game. That that's going to be the kind of Cleveland football we're going to see this week, I think, against the Cincinnati Bengals. So with respect to the Bengals being a home underdog inside the division, with respect to the line being over a field goal by a half point, I will also take Cleveland. Next game on the list. I, we think, get, oh. I think the Browns could put up 40 in, this week against against the Bengals. I think they're going to have all big bounce back. This, Yeah, this feels to me like a like a 32-29 to 29 type game. I think both teams will score. I do. So, um, you know, bet the over. <laughs> Next game on the list, we got Detroit Lions versus Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, that you know, it, it, Minnesota. It was so funny because Minnesota's had the rough, like a rough draw. I would say Houston's draw has been tougher to start the year, but Minnesota hasn't been easy. And then you get Atlanta after they fire their coach, and you get Raheem Morris in there. So Atlanta's all juiced. Um, played their best game of the season. Detroit off a bye week handled Jacksonville. Let me just go through the uh, stats here. Stafford's a start for me. Uh, I don't think that Atlanta throws an, another great defensive. Well, I wouldn't say great, but a, a, their best defensive game. I don't think that's going to be the, the rule going forward for Atlanta. I think it's an exception. Um, I know you're going to be talking about DeAndre Swift. I know you're going to be talking about DeAndre Swift. You can start him. Maybe. You can start. First time I give Swift a start grade the entire season. Um, so start him. Uh, Galladay is a start. Jones, I'd like to see more, man. He's disappointed me. I was high on him to start the year. It's time now. You've had Galladay back two games. You have the insulation. It looks like TJ Hawkinson's the more consistent guy. So I'm going to say start Hawkinson. Do not start Marvin Jones. Uh, Atlanta, on the other hand, um, I think, is this a sign? Are they finally passing the ball? Is this, I mean, this is what you're built for, that ground, you know, ground, eat up the clock game. That is not Atlanta's game. It's embarrassing what they tried to do to start the season. Assuming they route the pass game through Matt uh, Ryan, this could be the start of a run for Atlanta. Um, you never, I wouldn't say like a playoff run or anything, but, you know, they could play 500 ball the rest of the year if they throw the freaking ball because that's what they're built to do. Anyway, start Matt Ryan. Uh, Gurley, I have a start projection on him, but I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him this week after what I saw last week. Uh, start your receivers. Gage. Uh, Ridley, who is the best of them projected wise, and Julio start your receivers. And Hayden Hurst gets into the end zone, had as many catches as Gage did. That was one of my things I wanted to watch this week. What was going to happen with Hayden Hurst with um, Dan Quinn being out? Well, Hurst got into the end zone. So is that a sign of things to come? Does maybe uh, Dirk Cutter, does he have more freedom offensively? To, you know, are they are they doing different things strategically? I don't know. Let's see another game. Let's get confirmation next week to see what happens. I still would like to see more targets for Hayden Hurst before I feel comfortable seeing starts. So take it away, David. I only got one guy I want to talk about, and you already said his name. 
DeAndre Swift, guys. It, oh, I've been waiting Finally, for this. Finally, right? We, on the podcast last week, we were tearing out Matt Patricia. We were going in on him. We've probably cursed out his family a few times. <laughs> yeah, right. We were giving it to Matt Patricia. Yeah, we and were. For good reason. For good reason. He was deserving, all right? Matt Patricia, you deserved every bad word you had said about you, all right? Sorry, but you did. Yep. DeAndre Swift is legit, guys. He has double-digit fantasy points in four out of five weeks as a rookie. His first four out of five weeks in a COVID-reduced season where we didn't have a full offseason. Like, he is getting— In a backfield that's spreading the ball to to two other backs. The only game he didn't hit double-digit fantasy points— was the one game he got zero rushing attempts. Oh, go figure. You don't get him the ball. He's not going to produce. He. How can they not get him the ball it's now? Madness. And it's kind of like the Chase Claypool thing. The cat has got to be out of the bag. You cannot put DeAndre Swift back in the bag, Matt Patricia. If you do, we are coming for your head. I'll tell you that much, Matt Patricia. We are coming for you if you put DeAndre Swift back in the bag. He had 14 carries, 116 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. The receptions, again, three receptions. Four out of five games, he's got at least three receptions. He's got at least four targets in four out of five games, and he's getting the high-value touches. Mm -hmm. He's getting red zone work. He's got three touchdowns, and they all came in rushing touchdowns. They all came. He's got four total touchdowns in five games. He's getting the red zone work. He's getting the receptions, which is extremely important in, in full PPR leagues. Talk about uh, target being about three times as valuable as a carry. DeAndre Swift is very likely a weekly RB1 in the right matchup. And he's got the right matchup this week against Atlanta in what should be another shootout. Make sure DeAndre Swift is in your lineups. Go pay yep. up for him in DFS. His, his price tag still probably not going to rise as high as it should be. Mm -hmm. I'm all in on DeAndre Swift. I hope you guys were drafting him, stashing him. I hope you didn't trade him away after the first four weeks where he didn't go completely bananas. Look, it, it, Swift, it's no coincidence that his touches and his volume went up after the bye week. That's super important for quarterbacks. Um, look, if the rails were coming off in Miami— I think we could have penciled in to uh, to start after the Miami bye week, and that still might happen. But they're winning enough with Fitzpatrick that they, you know, can maybe delay that decision. I think the th the same could be the case, especially with the injury to Ingram in Baltimore with J.K. Dobbins. Let, let me say this quickly about Swift, because you and I agree. Coming into the draft, you know, because for the fantasy football almanac, a big thing is rookie running backs, right? You got to scout and all that stuff. And I look for very specific things on film. I'm not calling myself like an NFL GM or, or any of these guys, like a PFF film grade or anything like this. But I look for very specific things on film. Swift was my best three-down running back coming into the draft. And when Kansas City took Edwards Hilaire, I thought it was a mistake. I know what Edwards Hilaire did in LSU and his, his hands and all that stuff. And what do we see now? We see the freaking Kansas City Chiefs sign Le'Veon Bell, right? They don't like what they're seeing in short yardage situations. It's been reported. Uh, let's just get the elephant in the room and talk about it. And maybe we will in the Kansas City Chiefs segment. Um, or do they play? Are they on a bye week? Oh, no, they play Denver. No, they so play, play. We'll talk about them in a bit. Swift is, in my opinion, the best three-down back um, in the league. My favorite running back for fantasy purposes this year was J.K. Dobbins because of the system fit and the what Baltimore rookies. wants to do. Those are my, and, and Detroit, I don't love what Detroit does with their personnel, but it's not about talent, man. Swift is for real. David, you and I completely agree on that, but let me hit you with the line here. We got Detroit plus three versus Atlanta. Detroit plus three 
versus Atlanta, who do you got? The question you have to ask yourself, I, I wouldn't bet on this game just for the record, <laughs> is was it a one-game aberration for the Falcons where they were just playing over the heads off of the momentum of firing their coach? Mm. Or are they actually going to be a good team now that they fired their coach? I don't know. I think it's probably going to be somewhere in between. That defense is still terrible, in my opinion. Detroit is playing well. I think I'm going to take Detroit in the points here. You know, so there's a lot of questions, and I stay away from it from the same thing. Is Atlanta going to be a passing team going forward? You know, are we going to see, you know, 65% passing attempts versus rushing attempts, you know, for, for Atlanta again? If so, then I like Atlanta in this matchup. But Detroit... Are they going to continue to give Swift the ball? If they do, then I like Detroit in this matchup. So for me, there's too many questions. I need this game as a confirmation to bet these guys in the future. I'm just going to sit back and I'll be paying close attention. If I have to make a pick today, again, I'll take Detroit and the points in this matchup. Next game on the list, we got the Green Bay Packers versus the Houston Texans. Look, Green Bay, sometimes you just run into a team and that's, you know, it is what it is. I'm not worried about the Packers at all. Tampa Bay coming off a loss. Some would call it a bad loss, but again, everybody just hates Chicago for some reason. The 5-1 and one Chicago Bears, they suck. They're so bad. They're going to be 13-3 at the end of the year. They're going to be the worst 13-3 and three team of all time. They're not going to be 13-3, and three, but I'm just saying, like, everybody hates <laughs> on Chicago, but they're freaking 5-1, and one, man. As Bill Parcells would say, you are what your record says you are. Their defense is legit. Everybody wants to, to, to say that the only good teams are the ones that can score 30 points. Sometimes the good teams are the ones that hold every team under 10 points and Chicago's defense is good everybody come on anyway Tampa Bay coming off that loss look Aaron Rodgers when was the last time he threw two interceptions on two consecutive drives one to pick six one down to like the three yard line they score in the next play I can give you the like answer that. That you oh please do the yeah. they mentioned it in the game and it wasn't just two consecutive drives he hasn't thrown two interceptions in a game since 2017 <laughs> that's insane it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, I, like it's crazy. It, it, probably, probably easily the worst game of his career. He was under fifty percent, if memory serves, in terms of completions. Tampa Bay was ready, man. Devontae Adams was back, and they were just on him like like an angry swarm of bees. They were on Devontae Adams, so when the targets went there, they ate him up early. Those two interceptions, if they don't happen, and Green Bay even punts on those drives, that game's closer. And then the Packers starters finish out the game. That killed my fantasy team, by the way, because I had Tanyan. And Aaron Jones in that game. Tanya ends up going out with an ankle. I think he came back in a little bit later. But anyway, Tampa Bay, they were just, they were motivated. If Green Bay and Tampa Bay play again, um, you know, in the playoffs or something like that, it's going to be a much closer game. I'm not worried about it. Green Bay, everything's been stacking right for Green Bay all year. They just ran into a juggernaut. You know, you could tell from the first, like, three snaps, man, offensively and defensively, you could tell that Tampa Bay was going to run away with that one. I picked Green Bay going into the week. As soon as I saw the film, I'm just like, oh, gosh, this is going to be ugly, and it was. So there you go. But anyway, Green Bay this week against Houston, they're going to bounce back, everybody. Aaron Jones might be the start. It might have his best start of the season. I love him this week. I'd like Aaron Rodgers to bounce back. He's not going to – come on, guys. You think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a bad game next week after what we just saw? No way. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to get in the end zone. Um, and I do like Tanya to bounce back, assuming he's healthy. We'll see what um, what that is, but I think he'll be all right. Houston, on the other hand, hey, man, um, great job kind of coming back on the Tennessee Titans. Couldn't close it out. Uh, Romeo Cornell, buddy, kick the freaking extra point. What are you doing? Come on. Anyway, um, Deshaun Watson. I disagree. I disagree there. You Both know, it, look, they're the game bad. The was over. The game was over if they converted that two-point conversion. It was over. 
I, I think it would have been over anyway if they'd kicked the extra point. I, I don't mind. It just depends. And it's look, it's Houston. What do you what do you care if you if you're two and four or one and five? Come on, who cares? Anyway, uh, Deshaun Watson start him. Uh, David Johnson, he's not getting the yards per carry, but they are giving him volume, so I think you can start him. He's not my favorite start of the week. Um, I might not start him in my lineup. He's kind of my backup running back. But, you know, depending on how the bye week shake out, I haven't looking at, taken a look at my next lineup. But you could start him based on volume. Uh, Will Fuller, hey, man, he's staying healthy. Start him. Uh, Cooks gets in the end zone two weeks in a row. Even Cobb gets in the end zone last week. Fells gets in the end zone, I think, for the second week in a row as well. Um, so there are different options. But the only one that I really feel comfortable starting or ones, I should say, are Watson and Fuller. Take it away, David. Well, we're in agreement here. Do not panic on the Green Bay Packers. And I think this is one of those things where in hindsight it makes so much sense. You kind of smack yourself in the head like, why didn't I see this coming? This was obviously a tough matchup for Green Bay. I don't know how I didn't see it coming because what does Green Bay want to do? What have they excelled at doing? They've been a run first team. Get the play action going off of the run. And what has Tampa been notorious for doing? Mm -hmm. Shutting down the run game. So I think we should have... Seen, give them more respect why, to Tampa Bay. I don't know why we didn't. I, see I don't know Tampa either. Bay's. And I, I like seriously. So you know, I write down in my notebook here. I write down all the games and stuff, David. And I was, and I tally up our results. And you know, we're doing good as we mentioned at the top of the podcast. And I was convinced that I had picked Tampa. And I'm looking at my notes, and I have GB written down. I'm like, why? Why <laughs> did I do that? Tom Brady off a loss. When was the last time he lost two games in a row? I mean, like, like what was I doing? Actually, I think it was last season. But still, I, come on, man. Like, the matchup. It was a bad matchup for Green Bay with Tampa Bay coming off a loss that they feel was bad. Tom Brady after the five-down thing, you know? You know? After a lot, Come on. Like, we should have seen it. It's so obvious in hindsight. And I'm pissed at myself for picking Green Bay, to be honest with you, against the spread last week. But, you it's know, whatever. It's all right. We both did. We're yeah. both bozos. <laughs> but Rodgers, only 160 passing yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. I'm still all aboard the Bobby uh-huh. Tanyan train, train, guys. He did have that ankle injury, got banged up a little bit. But you look at, at the receiving line, he was still finished second and re- tied for second in receptions with Valdez Scantling and Aaron Jones with three. So they still don't have a second receiver. No second receiver is stepping up in this offense. It's Valdez Scantling and Darius Shepard behind Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. guys. It ain't Bobby Tonyan's going to continue to be featured, and he's going to have those easy high-percentage targets that are in the flat that are just in the middle, let him catch the ball and get yak. It's a terrible game. Three for 25 for a tight end in his quarterback's worst game of the season. You could do a hell of a lot worse than that, guys. Do not release Bobby Tanya. No, and I believe that was all in the first half, David, if, I, if I'm if i not mistaken. And Green Bay, I mean, really, they 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 pretty much pulled their starters. They weren't. They were just trying to run out the clock and get out of there without getting hurt um, by the end Bobby of the game. Tanya, if anything, this is a buy-low opportunity for yeah. Bobby Tanya because I still want him over Evan Ingram in the Hayden Hurst of the world going forward for the rest of the season. So it's a buy low. Go get Bobby Tanya. Yep, agreed. Let me hit you with the line here. We got Green Bay minus three versus Houston. Who do you got? Take Green Bay in the bounce back here. They're still a good team, I think, in Houston. They're playing better, but yeah, Gosh. not very many points. Houston. What? I mean, maybe the worst schedule in history. <laughs> what, ugh, what, what an awful, awful start to the season in terms of just scheduling for Houston. It's unreal. But, uh, yeah, Green Bay, I'm going to take them for the same reason we should have taken Tampa Bay last week. I mean, Rodgers, bad look for Rodgers, you know, the two interceptions that really literally cost them the game. I mean, they were – it was not competitive after that. And then, um, 
yeah, I mean, the matchup's better. Aaron Jones will be back. Not worried about it at all. Next game on the list, we've got Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Gardner Minshew is a start. I like James Robinson as a start. I like, D- uh, man, DJ Chark had about 87 targets yesterday, but I think only three catches. That's not going to happen every week. I love the target totals. That's what I focus on, really. I think he's a start and a bounce back this week. LaVisca Chenault um, is a start for me, and I'm actually not starting Cole. I know what Cole did this week. I know what he's done this season. I like Chenault better than Cole this week. Um, I'm away from everybody else. For the Chargers, I think Herbert at this point, honestly, is just a start. I mean, he's yeah, the more practice he gets, he's getting better and better, man. He's legit. He might be the best rookie um, quarterback, and I like Burrow. And we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, you know, with two, obviously, when he gets some action. But, look, Herbert, he's legit, man. I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, I think you can both start this week. I know there's – I saw some buzz about Eckler in the bye week and all that. Don't worry about it because that is a nasty hamstring injury. They're not reporting it. He's out for six games. Just lock that in. He's on your injury reserve for a while. Don't even be fooled by Eckler coming he's back. He's already doing light work, though. Did you see the video he posted? I did not. I did he's not. On, he's on the cycle machine. Doing doing the cycles. So I, mean, I hope you're wearing pants, a... David. I'm wearing <laughs> we shorts. Saw... <laughs> what is this? A, a ladies razor commercial? Like I see in the legs kick up from the '80s. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, no, yeah. Eckler's doing it. Not much. <laughs> no, Eckler. I mean, look, nobody wants him to come back more than me. He's sitting on my IR right now. But um, while he's out, I said before the Monday night football game that I like Justin Jackson. I'm telling you guys, he just looks better, and he's done it on film. I think he's a better running back than Kelly. I believe at this point Kelly is still ahead of him in the depth chart. I don't care what the depth chart says. I'm going to go with performance on the field. I like Jackson more. I'm going to feel fine starting him. But I think you can actually this, – this system is good for running backs. I think you can start Kelly as well. Uh, Keenan Allen. I like Mike Williams looked impressive on Monday Night Football. Is that a sign of things to come? We know the potential. It's always been there. They've been taking deep shots all all season long to Mike Williams. They finally connected on some. Uh, Herbert's getting better and better. This is a guy that's still unavailable on a lot of waiver wires that you can pick up. I think he can do that. And then um, Henry, for me, is startable. Oh, yeah, he's definitely start. Sorry, I was reading the wrong line. Uh, Henry is definitely a start for me this week. Take it away, David. I'm going to start with the first thing you said. Herbert might be the best rookie quarterback. I, I think he is. I think he is. And there's nothing against Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow's done everything he's needed to do and then some. Mm-hmm. But Justin Herbert, guys, he just pops off the screen at every point. And Joe Burrow's great. I don't think he's got quite the actual arm talent Herbert has. And I'm not sure it's even that close. Right. Look at the deep bombs that Herbert is yeah, just dude. dropping. Like, he has the arm top five. Like he's in the Mahomes, Josh Allen of the world, arm talent kind of thing. This he looks like can, a better version of Josh Allen to me. He can sling the ball. Yep. And there's not really a whole lot to talk about with the Chargers. You start Hunter Henry, you start Keenan Allen if he plays, no matter what at this point. I guess the only thing to talk about with the Chargers is Justin Jackson, right? Yeah. And you you put the stamp on it. I was ready to concede. <laughs> Because I was a Justin Jackson truther as well this offseason. And it hurt for the first four weeks. It did. Watching Josh Kelly be the guy behind Austin Eckler. I threw the towel in. And I feel like an idiot because I threw the towel in too early. <laughs> and I should have stuck with my gut. Because we knew Justin Jackson was talented. Mm-hmm. We saw it at the NFL level through mm-hmm. two years. Highly efficient with the ball in his hands. And the biggest selling point, Justin Jackson... L.A. wants to throw the running back the ball in the passing game against New Orleans. Six targets, 
five receptions, 23 yards. He's a flex every week as long as Austin Eckler is out. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's as strong as a play as Mike Davis has been for Carolina, but it's close. I mean, every every and it's only because of of target share. Because and he's splitting the he's splitting the that's why. unlike Mike Davis. That's exactly why. And I think he because I do think he's actually a better NFL running back than Mike Davis and I don't I mean, I don't dislike Davis. I think Davis is good. I mean, it, it's it's close, right? And the system. I'm going to strongly good. disagree on that. One. You do you like Davis more as an NFL Davis back? Davis is playing so well, and he's got he's got power to his game. Just he does Jackson have power. Has and no better power. hands than you would have thought. I, like I didn't know he had as good of hands in Mike Davis. But okay, fair enough. Agree to disagree there. I like I like Jackson, but I think it's more about the system too. Um, but again, you know, you're splitting hairs there. But it, it's more about the the workload share. And Kelly, you know Kelly and um, and Jackson are going to be there. Uh, the the unfortunate thing is when Eckler comes back, it's probably going to be Kelly above the depth chart. So I, I think Jackson's value is only there while Eckler is there. But we'll see what happens in the depth chart. Maybe maybe Jackson plays him off the field because he certainly looked better on Monday Night Football to me. It could happen, right? Especially if the Chargers can compete and stay in the playoff race. So we'll see. Anyway, let me hit you with the line here. We got Jacksonville plus eight according to Bavada versus the Chargers. Plus eight. Plus eight. I don't. I don't think Jacksonville's that bad. Honestly, they're a good team. I'm. I'm going to take Jacksonville here. Yeah, you know the Chargers' defense hasn't been playing as well as as we've seen them in recent years. They've been giving up points. Jacksonville can score points. They're a little underrated. I. I agree with you. I think the Chargers probably win this game, but eight points over a touchdown. I. I think this is more like a, a three to four point game, not an eight. You know, I, I don't think this is a touchdown game. So we'll see. Next game on the list, we got the Seattle Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals, another huge NFC West matchup. We just saw the Rams and the and the 49ers do battle last week. Uh, Seattle coming off the bye week. Arizona, we're filming on Monday morning, so we have not seen Monday night football yet. It hasn't been played yet. So the YouTuber are always like, hey, what? Oh, come on, you're, you're commenting. You haven't even watched it. It hasn't happened yet. Stop hitting me with these comments. We're, we have to get these videos out. We have to get the podcast out. So I apologize to everybody. But let's just assume that Arizona is still awesome and they're still healthy, okay? Seattle coming off the bye week. I like Seattle a lot. Let's just get to the starters. Russell Wilson, start him every week. Chris Carson, start him. Um, I do have a start grade on backup running back in Seattle, whoever it is. I'm assuming it's going to be Hyde, but let's see. Um, Again, you know, you're talking about coming off a bye week. Is this the week that DJ Jalas, you know, comes in and gets more time? I don't know. So anyway, start Carson. It's a little bit of risk for me for backup uh, running back, but you do have potential there. Uh, Start both receivers. And when I say both, I mean Lockett and Metcalf, of course. Um, If you're desperate at tight end, this might be a week that you could play Olsen and just cross your fingers, but I tend to stay away from it this week. Arizona, start Kyler Murray for crying out loud. Start him. This might be his best game of the year. Um, I don't love either running back, but I have them similarly graded both at Edmonds and Drake. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, definitely start DeAndre Hopkins. And I like uh, Kirk as well and nobody else from the Cardinals. Take it away, David. Yeah, I think at this point, Christian Kirk, I'm going to start off where you left off. Christian Kirk is the guy to me for the Cardinals who I want to see tonight. What does he do against the Cowboys? Because he performed well last week against the Jets mm-hmm. and he, he was fantasy relevant. And I was high on Kirk coming into this year. I liked him last year. I think he's played well as a rookie. uh, And even in his second year as well, he's just in a bad situation where he was being asked to be the number one guy. And he's not a number one receiver. He started off this year extremely, extremely slow, was non-existent. But they seem to want to be getting him the ball. Or they start to be acknowledging at least the fact that he's better than Isabella. He's He's better than Larry Fitzgerald. And they need to scheme him the ball. 
So even if he doesn't pop off against Dallas this week, if Christian Kirk can bring in three receptions, uh, I'm absolutely starting him next week against Seattle just because I think that'll show enough that the matchup is just so good that he's absolutely worth mm-hmm. worth putting into your flex spot just on the, the upside, especially because I think Arizona's going to be losing to Seattle, especially coming off a bye. So I think a lot of garbage time points for Kyler Murray mm-hmm. in the Arizona passing game. And that's good for good news for Chase Edmonds, who is the receiver yeah, you're right. running back in against Arizona. Again, we'll see against Dallas. Maybe they get Kenyon Drake involved a little bit more as a receiver. It, it's probably not going to matter because Chase Edmonds at this point has four receptions, uh, four targets, I apologize, in four out of five games, just like DeAndre Swift, guys. Chase Edmonds is basically a little bit less explosive, not as exciting DeAndre Swift, but he's got three-plus receptions in four out of five games. He's getting red zone work. He's got three touchdowns in five games. So Chase Edmonds is a poor man's DeAndre Swift right now. Yep. And if you're thrilled about DeAndre Swift, I think you got you got to start taking Chase Edmonds a little bit more seriously too. Yeah, and for the people watching on YouTube right now, you might be saying, "Oh, Edmonds is ever good a bit as good as DeAndre Swift." We did a whole segment, so just watch that Detroit um, segment on him. But I completely agree with you, David. Uh, Seattle coming off a bye week, I tend to think their defense is going to take a little bit of a step forward. There's been a few reasons why their defense has been uh, a little bit porous, shall we say? But they will be better, and Seattle's to me is still my favorite team in the NFC. Uh, but this. This is going to be a nice test for Seattle. It's going to be a nice test for Arizona. I look forward to watching this game. Let me hit you with the line here, Dave. We've got Seattle minus three, according to Bavada, at uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, what's your rule, Sean? Uh, home team, uh, underdog in the division, you generally go the other way. No, what's the rule, Sean? Never bet against Russell Wilson. There you go. <laughs> Two competing rules, but Russell Wilson is the one, right? <laughs> That's the rule. Yeah. Never bet against Russell Wilson, especially when it's a field goal. Don't do it. I agree. Um, I like Arizona quite a bit. And frankly, you know, what I'm looking most forward to is, you know, Arizona, look, they're they're better uh, and they're getting better. It's just a nasty division for them. Let's see what kind of effort Arizona puts in. Would it shock me if they take this game and they they outscore Seattle? It wouldn't shock me. But I want to see, like... What is your medal, right? What what are you going to put together, Arizona? Because this is the biggest game of the year uh, since the San Francisco opener to me for Arizona. Huge game, division, playoff aspirations. Let's see how it shakes out. But Seattle, man, they're going to be ready coming off a of bye week. Uh, and I really hope Arizona ends up that after the Monday night football game completely healthy. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one quite a bit. Next game on the list, we got the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos Denver coming off a win against New England which let me give you a little quick story here I um Sunday morning in a panic was really Sunday afternoon I noticed that I didn't set my eliminator challenge which I'm still alive in uh in ESPN and I would have taken New England I was saving New England for Denver and I forgot to do it before the game Ooh, I got off the hook. Uh, but I, I, I ended up having to take somebody. I don't like the matchup tonight. But basically, I would I would have been out. So um, Denver, congratulations. Had you told me that Denver wasn't going to score a touchdown, would they beat New England? I would say no. But hey, man, that defense, I've been saying it. They're legit, man. Fangio, he knows what he's doing with defense. They can stop the run. Can they stop Kansas City's passing game? I tend to think that Kansas City, again, this is filmed before Monday night football. We record these on Monday morning. My guess is that Kansas City responds to the loss 
and uh, to the Raiders, and they come out and they really play an impressive game against the Bills. So my guess is coming into this game that first of all Kansas City's healthy, second of all Kansas City put together a nice game against the Bills. So everybody's going to be thinking coming into this when they're betting, they're probably going to go leaning towards the Chiefs. But let me hit you with some stats first, David. My projections, my computer projections here. Start Mahomes every week. Edwards Alaire. I don't know. Le'Veon's going to get snaps this week. He's going to have the time. I don't think he's going to play Monday Night Football. He'll be in the lineup next week. We'll see what happens there. I'm concerned. I am. We'll talk about that. Uh, then we got uh, Tariq Hill's a start. Sammy Watkins, um, I know he's banged up for Monday Night Football. I don't know if he'll be back um, tonight. I don't know if he'll be back next week. Let's just assume he will. I think he's a start. Hardman, I think, is a, is a start, too. And Kelsey is a, is a slam dunk start for me. I, the analytics love him against Denver. For Denver, I'm sitting lock. Um, I am starting Philip Lindsay. I like Lindsay more than Gordon. I'm going to say it. I said it in week one before the ankle injury. I like him more than Gordon. He's good, man. He's the best back on the, the roster. I don't care about Melvin Gordon. I said it with Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. I'm saying it now. Philip Lindsay is the best running back on that roster. He's the best kept secret in fantasy football. I don't know why Denver struggles to get him the ball. Look at it. He's explosive. Just get him the damn ball, everybody. It's not rocket science. Get your best player the ball. Um... Judy, I don't love. Patrick, I like um, just because Locke is thrown to him. His nice chemistry, man. He had more than half of the reception yardage or the passing yardage, just him. And Fant, if he can come back, I think he's a start just because this offense loves tight end and it produces opportunity for tight end. Take it away, David. Yeah, I think this could be the week where we see that Kansas City explosion mm-hmm. that we haven't seen yet this year that we're used to seeing in years past where they just – Go completely bananas, and everybody's a great start. So I think this is going to be the week I'm starting every single Chief. Obviously, Kelsey Hill. I think Hardman, we'll see what he does this this week against the Bills. He's he's All it takes is one play for Hardman. So at this point, if I think the whole team's going off, I'm willing to put Hardman in and just hope he gets one big right. touchdown. I think he'll get it. I like both Chiefs running backs because I think they're going to score so many points. They're going to be playing from ahead against the Broncos. They're going to be running the ball in the second half. I like CEH and I like Lev Bell. I think both of those guys also get a touchdown. I think there's going to be six, six, seven touchdowns wow. to go go around in this game for the Kansas City Chiefs. On the other side of the field, not a whole lot to be thrilled about. I do like Tim Patrick a lot just because of the consistency he's shown. We'll see about if Gordon's back, it, what the touches are split between right, him and right. That's a bit of a guessing game if Gordon's active. Drew Locke. I do think he'll put up some garbage points. Not a terrible start. But Tim Patrick, four targets every single game. He's got two straight with 100 yards. He's got four receptions in four out of five games this year. He's got a touchdown in two out of the last three games. So this guy's been consistent. Three straight games with d- double-digit fantasy points. He's he's being looked at by Drew Locke. And if they're going to be losing, somebody's going to have to catch the ball. Tim Patrick, he's a start this next week. Yeah, I disagree with you because only on the amount of touchdowns Kansas City will score. I think they'll, I think they'll end up in the high twenties. Here's my thing about Kansas City: is you know when have we seen them come out the flattest? It's been in the division, um, and you know they scored points against Vegas, but then they gave up too many points against them. They couldn't score enough against the Chargers. I think Denver's defense is actually better than the Chargers' defense. I think some people would be surprised to hear that. Certainly, Broncos fans who are watching this, I don't think they would disagree. But I think Denver's defense will be good. And I think, and back to Kansas City, one thing I can count on, and if we're trying to figure out what the running back share is going to be, I think we can count on Le'Veon Bell having the red zone touches. 
Kansas City has not been happy with what Edwards Alaire has done in short yardage and on the goal line. They've been trying to work in Darwin Thompson and Daryl Williams. They haven't liked what those guys have been doing either. Le'Veon Bell, now we'll get some two running back. Don't get me wrong. Like they'll they'll have two running back, two tight end for me. They'll like they'll do a lot of stuff. But Le'Veon Bell, if it's fourth and one and they want to run the ball, Bell's getting that carry. It's not going to be Edwards Alaire. That's what I'm going to take away from this signing. And it is really a great fit for uh, Le'Veon Bell. And it is a real blow to anybody who picked Edwards Alaire at the height of that hype cycle inside the top five, because he's not going to be a top five back going forward. You need, you need to dominate the snaps and he's not going to dominate the touches at the running back level for it. Probably for the, <laughs> for the next couple of years, because if you're Le'Veon Bell, look, I say this about running backs. Don't hold out. There's very few exceptions. Don't hold out if you're running back in today's NFL. Because if you have a team that's willing to even give you anything, it's just the market's not going to be there. Le'Veon Bell holding out from Pittsburgh was a mistake. I said it at the time, and nobody would second guess it now. It was a mistake. But landing in Kansas City is a boon for him. He's got to stay there for the rest of his career. It's the only way he can salvage his what was a Hall of Fame career before this whole Jets fiasco, okay? It's still salvageable. But he's got to stay with the Chiefs. Anyway, let me hit you with the now line. Let's get, let me say this real quick because I got to ask you. This is important for uh. the viewers. We got to let them know which Kansas City running back for the rest of the year. Who would you rather roster, Le'Veon Bell or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? I, me personally, look, it's not going to happen this week because I think it'll be more of a snap share. I'd rather have Bell. You know, I've talked to two people. One of them is you, and the other one is Nick Anderson from the Down and Dirty Dynasty Podcast, who he is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. He <laughs> lives five minutes outside of Kansas City. He's been saying about the same thing you just said, but he's been pounding the table when he's <laughs> doing it. Lev Bell is going to be the Kansas City running back to roster this year. Myself, I'm a little bit more up in the air. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'd be guessing. But... Two out of two so far have told me Lev Bell, so I'm going to have to say it myself. Lev Bell's probably the guy you want to own. Makes him a great buy low because mm -hmm. if he's going to be an yeah. RB1, you don't have to pay an RB1 price for Lev Bell right now in redraft. That's know. right. And I don't like the, the reports about him being unmotivated in the Jets. I think it's easy based on what we know about the Jets organization to be not motivated. I know he's gained some weight and all that stuff. I, I understand that. But Did you follow him this offseason? Who he Bell? Good Bell. He been well. I I I, I didn't videos. follow him so much, but I I read the reports that he was up. I don't know if it was muscle weight or what. Um, he but you know, it, you know what happens with the teams, right? They they start releasing it, bad press about the player after they cut him, so that it doesn't look as bad. Let me say this: oh, my prediction um, for Bell because he's acclimating the system is if you're if you're panicking if you're Edwards Alaire if an Edwards Alaire owner. You're not going to be able to trade Edwards Alaire because nobody wants to, to trade for him. But what my prediction for this week, not against Buffalo tonight, but next week against Denver, is that the snap share will be about equal. Because Bell isn't going to know the offense yet, and they're going to kind of slowly work him into the system. Kind of like what we saw with Devonta Freeman and Wayne Goleman um, for the first week of the Giants. I think it's going to be an equal snap share. So if you're going to try to trade Edwards Alaire, and I would, do it after the Denver game. Because people will be like, okay, well, it's a split, and you got Edwards Alaire. Or I'm maybe gonna the, I'm gonna say even earlier after tonight, because if you can, he could have a big game tonight against Buffalo, and that would be your opportunity. Gosh, that you better cross your fingers that you that but he has. I don't, I don't hate holding Edwards Alaire either, because I do think this offense is so good. 
that they there will be multiple weeks where both of these running backs are scoring double-digit fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, the, the opportunity is there, but there's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, and again, you know, just based on the reports and what I've seen in short-yarded situations, you got to figure Bell's going to get a lot more of the gimme touchdowns, which is why I swing the pendulum over to uh, to Bell. But it's going to be interesting to watch. And if you're an Edwards-Alaire owner, man, you are praying that he gets in the end zone twice tonight so that you can still get salvage some value for him because he's not a running back one anymore. He's not. Just because, again, workload, man. You're not signing Le'Veon Bell to bring him in three snaps a game. He's too good for that. Even now, he's too good for that. So let me hit you with the line here, man. Kansas City minus 9.5 versus Denver. Who you got? I already said it's going to be the Chiefs explosion week. Give me the Chiefs. I don't care if it's a 14-point spread. Yeah, I'm under 10. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I don't feel great about it, man. I think Denver, it's easy to to underestimate them. I would have taken the Patriots to win by 15. Um, And... Yeah, the Patriots didn't look competitive, but then again, Patrick Mahomes is a little bit of a better passer than Cam Newton. Um, a little bit. And if Denver takes away the run game from Kansas City, Kansas City's like, okay, you know, all right, <laughs> I'm okay with that. So, you know, it's Denver's that are going to make Kansas City one dimensional, but if there's one team and one dimension that you don't want it to be, it's going to be Kansas City's passing game, maybe Seattle's passing game this year as well. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, let's move on to the next game. We got the San Francisco 49ers versus the New England Patriots. Garoppolo returns to New England, face off against his uh, the old Jedi Master there in Bill Belichick. But let me hit you with some projections. Look, I don't love San Francisco's offense this week. Kansas City, uh, New England's defense last week was not the issue. Their defense is pretty strong. Uh, you got to figure Debo Samuel is going to be double covered, which means Ayuk is going to be covered by Gilmore. That's typically what they do. Or maybe Gilmore locks up against Kittle. That's probably more likely. Um, but anyway, look, you start Kittle just because of his star power. I'm fine starting him. He might get through. I start Mostert if he's healthy. The guy's breaking my heart. He always puts up great halves of football and then gets banged up the second half. Like, oh my gosh, I have him on my team if you can't tell. I love Mostert, but the guy's got to play a freaking full game for crying out loud. Um, I'm sitting Garoppolo. I'm sitting basically everybody else. It's really Mostert and Kittle, and I don't have a great projection on Kittle. I'm just starting him because he's, you know, he's just a baller. For New England, uh, Cam Newton, I do have a startable grade. I don't love him. Man, I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Chiefs fan. They're not, they can't pass the ball. Like, with efficiency. We saw it last year. The receivers aren't separating downfield. Cam Newton, maybe it's Denver's defensive backs are faster than I thought it was, or they were, but Cam Newton's arm looked weak. And I've never said that about Cam Newton before. We know he has a strong arm. It looked weak. I don't know if he was aiming or if he wasn't setting his... I don't know what the deal was, but he didn't look good as a passer last week. Edelman, I think, is a start because I think he'll just get back um, to you know to the ball control stuff this week against the 49ers. They're going to need him. And Keel Harry, if you're in a touchdown-only league, maybe start him. But I stay away from him this week. I don't like the matchup. What I will say is San Francisco, I mentioned this in the reaction video, their defensive backfield, first of all, they need Sherman back. I don't know if he's going to be back next week or not. San Francisco's coverage is great. But they're not turning their heads on the deep ball. Miami took advantage of it, and the Rams were taking advantage of it a bit yesterday as well. New England will see that on tape, and they will take deep shots and just chuck the ball to Nikhil Harry or Nikhil Harry, and uh, and just count on San Francisco being there and doing this and not turning the head around because that's what's been happening. But anyway, take it away, David. We'll say I don't have any Patriot shares. I don't think I have a single. Maybe I have one Damian Harris share. But I'm very happy to keep it that way. This offense is so unpredictable from a weekly yeah. basis. Is Cam going to lead the rushing attack? Is it going to be a running back? Is it going to be Burkhead? Another, 
other than James White, he's the only reliable You're right. option. Even Edelman, we're seeing it's up and down, up and down, up and down. It's a little bit of a guessing game. Harry, I'm ready to toss him in the garbage yeah, bin. I would. He's he's not doing anything, getting plenty of targets. So I don't see the value going up at any point unless it's a cake matchup. On the other side of the field, Jimmy Garoppolo, guys, do not write him off and yeah, do not right. think this is just one game. This is still a by-low opportunity, especially with them facing New England this week, which is a good matchup. I think I, I put the league winner tag on Jimmy Garoppolo two weeks ago in my waiver wire article, came out and he, he completely face-planted against Miami and <laughs> made me did. look like a com- complete moron. But I'm still I'm still ready to keep that tag slapped on him because what, what do we talk about, guys, early in the episode? What weeks matter in fantasy 14 15 and 16 that's it mm-hmm. that's it guys unless you're getting paid out for winning the regular season points title you want to win weeks 14 15 and 16 and that is the most important time of the year who does jimmy garoppolo face weeks 14 15 and 16 he faces the football team the cowboys and the cardinals again football team's defense a little bit better than they're given credit for. Right. This is still a game we expect the San Francisco defense to handle Washington's offense. Yep. We expect the San Francisco offense to hold the ball most of the game, to be able to get turnovers against the Washington defense and be in the red zone, easy score opportunities. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, guys, even in a one-quarterback league, I he's probably going to be the guy who I want to be my starter for the fantasy playoffs. I mean, if... You're looking at the other options. We talked about Dalton. I want Dalton first, but there ain't yeah, right. a whole lot of other available options out there that have that upside that are in a great offense, which Jimmy Garoppolo is in a great offense, which has had some struggles still, in my opinion, a great offense. So I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I think this is probably going to be your last chance to pick him up because yeah. after New England this week, they face Seattle next week and what could be a shootout. Yep. And if you're worried about Garoppolo and what we saw on Miami, look, try to find some film um, and look at what his ankles looked like yesterday. It looked like they were encased in cinder blocks, those ankles being taped up and his high ankle sprain and all that. He will get better as he get, gets healthier. And this offense can support him with, um, you know, he, look, this offense yet this year has not seen a game where Garoppolo, Debo, Kittle, Mostert, and Ayuk have all been healthy at the same time. Um, I think last night might have been the first week that all of them were in the lineup at the same time, maybe against Miami. But Garoppolo still isn't healthy. This offense can support, so don't worry about it. I agree with you, uh, especially with the uh, weeks 14, 15, 16. Go ahead. We got one more guy to talk about for San Francisco, and that is Jamichael Hastings. Ooh, I forgot to mention him. Thank you for bringing that up. Who is an excellent athlete, if, if you follow the combine at all. He was, I believe, the highest jumping running back. He was at five, five foot nine. He's he's a short guy, but he has got lower body explosiveness boot. He was, I believe, also the number one shuttle scorer. So what do we talk about? Shanahan. Look at some of the running backs he's made, guys. Look at Mostert. We're talking about late round picks. It doesn't matter your draft capital. What matters is if you fit the system. Do you have explosion? Can you get downhill fast? Can you make one cut and go? Jamichael Hasey can do all of those things. When Moster got hurt this past week, who did they turn to at the end of the game? McKinnon got some snaps, but they turned to Jamichael Hasty. Gave him nine carries, which he took for 37 yards. And another important thing here, even if Moster plays, guys, who was active? Was it Hasty or Jeff Wilson? It was Hasty. 
they're keeping Jeff Wilson inactive right now, maybe because they like Hastings more on special teams. I'm not sure. But what does that mean? It means if Moster is active again and does go down again, which from this point, unfortunately, looks highly probable yeah. based on Raheem Mostert's injury history, it's going to be Jamichael Hasty who's active, who they're going to have to turn the ball to. And he's going to be the one who's given the opportunity to run away with the gig, to at least stake his claim for a role in the backfield. If Raheem Mostert goes down, Jeff Wilson's inactive. Jeff Wilson can't do nothing to stake his claim from home sitting on the couch watching the game. Jamichael Hasty is going to be the one who's given a chance to stake his claim. And this was the number two rushing offense last year, guys. This is the league winning potential we're looking for in stashes. Jamichael Hasty absolutely deserves to be on rosters in all shapes, sizes of leagues. Thank you. Thank you for bringing him up because I completely whiffed and, and didn't bring that up. So in the reaction video I posted for the 49ers versus the Rams, I talked about Hasty quite a bit. Here's the deal, everybody. I've been, I, I'm very familiar with uh, the Shanahan system, right? I, I was a Washington fan when he went over there. I know what backs work. I used to watch a lot of Denver Broncos back in the day. Terrell, um, Terrell Davis, by the way, was what a six round pick. Um, a guy that basically got into the lineup because he destroyed a guy in the preseason on a tackle, if you know that story. Uh, after Davis left, you had, um, obviously, Clinton Portis had some draft capital, but you had guys like Orlandis Gary. Um, there was another guy, I can't even remember his name. but every, Mike Anderson. Thank you. There are guys that come out of nowhere to get 1,000 yards, and there's a specific type of thing. Again, I don't know that I can describe it, but would you know it? You know it when you see it. You can see vision, and you can see, like you said, decisive cuts. But also, there's another level of that which Hasty has. Even though you look at him, you see five foot eight or whatever his measurables are, and he's like, oh, five foot eight, smaller guy. He's a bigger guy. He runs more physically than you think. When I saw him last night, this is the first game action I I've seen him. I don't know if he broke into the lineup in any other games. This is the first extended look I got. My first impression was he will be the starting running back of the San Francisco 49ers in two or three years. He will be the guy. I said this about Mostert two years ago when I saw him. Today, Mostert is better. His, his, he has speed. He's going to have value. But Mostert's 28 years old. Look, I know he doesn't have a lot of NFL miles on his body because of the way his career's gone. He's 28 years old. He's going to be fast for a while. But he's been banged up, everybody. Hasty today is better than McKinnon. And it's not close. Now, it might take a little while for the depth chart to shake out. It took, what, a year and a half for that Mostert prediction for me to, to come true. Hasty will be the guy. Now, it's possible that San Francisco falls you know backwards into a better guy next season. But let me say this. If you're in a keeper or if you're in a dynasty, you pick him up now and you save him. Because next year, the hype on him is going to be so crazy. At worst, you're going to be able to trade him for a nice draft pick. Pick him up. He's going to be the number two running back on this roster for probably the next season or two. I have no problem saying Jamichael Hasty will be the starting running back before his rookie uh, contract is over. Dynasty, he's going to be an afterthought. He might still be out there for you. Pick him up. Thanks for bringing that up for the crowd, man. And if man. he is available in your deeper, uh, or not available, excuse me, because in a lot of deeper dynasties yeah. where you're rostering 20, 24 guys, he's probably already probably on. picked up. I'm willing to go give a third round pick for Do it. this guy. Just because of the upside, so do it. I'm telling you. I mean, he he checks all the boxes for the prototypical Shanahan guy, and him dancing around with no blocking against a tough Rams defensive front and still getting four to five yards again. Again, Moster is better now, and he's probably going to be better next season. But by the end of next year, it's definitely going to be Hasty getting carries, and we know Mostert's injury history. Everybody, I mean, Hasty's going to have his chance, and if he gets the full run of this. 
Mostert might never get his job back. Mostert might be the secondary running back. So uh, buy, buy now. It's never going to be a che- never going to be a cheaper price. Never going to get a better deal. Buy now. Anyway, let me hit you at the line, David. San Francisco <laughs> plus five versus New England. I'm taking San Francisco here. I think New England bounces back. Um, I think it's a close game, but San Francisco getting five points. I'm going to take man. Shanahan system's good. San Francisco rebounded after getting embarrassed and Garoppolo is only going to get healthier. New England, their offense is bothering me, man. They're going to have to pass the ball sometime. Cam Newton makes bad decisions. You know, I mean, he's throwing the ball up in double coverage and stuff. I didn't mind it when Brady was doing it for Gronk. I mind it when Cam <laughs> Newton's putting ball into double coverage to Demir Bird. Okay. <laughs> New England is not as strong as they've been. Their defense is legit. Don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'll take the five this week in San Francisco. Next game, we got two on the list. This one's Sunday night football. Fun game. Uh, Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders coming off a bye week. I think the Raiders are underrated. I know they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I still don't think they're getting their respect. Hell, that was two weeks ago. Nobody remembers that. Uh, Tampa Bay comes out and eviscerates a really good Green Bay team. So you know that in terms of betting and in optics, everybody's leaning hard on Tampa Bay. I think this game could be closer but it also wouldn't shock me if uh, Tampa Bay runs away. But let me hit you with lines first, and I'll turn it over to you, David. Or I should say, I'm sorry, fantasy football projections. Brady is a start for me. Ronald Jones, uh, I hate to say it. He's a slam dunk start for me. you got to start him. Uh, I feel dirty saying it. Godwin, nice to see him back. He's a start. I'm staying away from everybody else except for maybe Gronkowski, who now with O.J. Howard out, he looked good. He doesn't look as... Is Gronk-like as he looked maybe three or four years ago? He's getting a little bit older. He looks a little slower to me. But Brady still throws the ball to him, and they have chemistry, and uh, he's a big target in the red zone. So I think he can can move forward with Gronk as a starter moving forward at tight end. Um, Vegas, on the other hand, look, you know Tampa Bay can stop the run. That's my concern. And you know that Las Vegas, if they're getting 2.9 yards per carry with Josh Jacobs, they'll say, okay, we'll just keep doing it, which I love about the Raiders. So they're going to do it. They're going to really really test Tampa Bay's run defense more so than Green Bay did last week. I'm looking forward to seeing what that test does for both of these teams. Um, So this all comes down to whether or not the Raiders can have success. I think if the Raiders can average 3.2 yards per carry, which you would think, ah, that's a low. They should be easily to do that. It's easier said than done against Tampa. If they can get 3.2 yards per carry from Jacobs, I think they they close this spread, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Jacobs, I think he started just based on volume. I loved what I saw from Ruggs and Carr uh, last week. I don't love Carr as a start, but I'm okay starting Ruggs. I don't have a great projection on him, but they're going to take a deep shot or two to Ruggs, and he has the speed to get behind the defense. Take it away, David. Is this the week of revenge? <laughs> because look at some of these I revenge know. narratives we got. We got Teddy Br- Teddy B going back and facing the Saints, who he used to play for. We got Garoppolo going back facing the Patriots. And then we got John Gruden, mm-hmm. who goes and faces his old Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fun. So there's going to be some great revenge narratives on tap this week. I, I like the revenge narrative. So I think... And you were a lot higher on the Raiders than I was. I believed in their offensive players. I always thought Derek Carr was an underrated quarterback, and I, I loved Waller. I didn't think he was getting the respect he deserved as, as a big, one of those big tight ends. Right. Um, top, top fantasy sure. tight ends. But I never believed in this team's defense, and I never really bought into them being a winning football team. I'm bought in now. I love the way they they run their team. John Gruden, I love how they lean on the run. That defense is improving. They just beat yeah. the Chiefs, and Tampa Bay, everyone's going to be high on, on them coming off of the, 
big win against the Packers. It could be a little bit of a trap game for the Buccaneers yeah. against the Raiders. So I, I like I like the matchup here. I think Waller definitely will see about Jacobs. You're obviously starting him. If you have a better option than Josh Jacobs, your team is loaded. Yeah, Congrats. right, right. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's all about that run game. And we know how – I mean, it's just, it's strength for strength. It's Tampa Bay's strength as the run uh, defense. And Las Vegas, they want to run. So we're going to see strength for strength. I didn't mention Waller, by the way, definitely a start for me this week. And Let, how about R- Ronald Jones? we got to at least mention the guy's name after what he's done. He is an RB1 right now. I know. And Tampa Bay is leading the league in running back targets. Holy it's shit, breaking my guys. It's breaking my heart because I was thinking that Fournette was going to steal that job away, and there's no way Both he's going to wrestle us. that away. Both of us. Me and you and hundreds of thousands of other people as well. Yeah, but I know. Ronald Jones is here to stay. He is. He looks like an RB1, and he's still probably acquirable as an RB3 in fantasy. Again, a team who's only got two running backs, no way in hell they're trading mm-hmm. Ronald Jones right now. But if this is someone's fourth running back, heck, maybe they don't believe. So yep. I think Ronald Jones, you still got a chance to buy him if, you, if you're in need of a running back and don't want to overpay. Yeah, I have to acknowledge my mistake here. Look, I'm, I, you, you and me well. both were right on Tyler Higby. I think you and me were both, as recently as like two or three weeks ago, we were trash to Ronald Jones. You can't do that and look like you know what you're talking about. Ronald Jones is, is playing impressive <laughs> football, so good for him. I'm still curious to see, what because I really honestly do think that Fournette's the better talent, but you know, Ronald Jones is playing himself on the field. So until Ronald Jones does something stupid, like has two fumbles in a game or something, you know, Fournette might just not have the opportunity when he's healthy. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But Ronald Jones, I agree with you, man. He's he's legit. Let me hit you with the line here. We got Tampa Bay minus three, according to Bavada, versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders not just to cover the spread. I'm going to take them to win this game. You know, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, this is the kind of thing because especially the hype coming into this game. Right. And Gruden, you, look, before he took this job, he knows and stayed close with the Tampa Bay organization. He knows about half of that roster pretty well. He stayed pretty, ah, man, this does feel like a trap game for me for the Tampa Bay because it's so easy to overlook the Raiders. Everybody in the NFL has been doing it for like two years. I love betting the Raiders. They always cover. I bet you by the end of this week, I wouldn't even bet it when this show comes out. By Sunday, I bet you this line's Tampa Bay minus five. So I wait, and I bet the Raiders on Sunday morning. But I'll take the Raiders to cover. But look, I mean, it all comes down to that run game. If Tampa Bay comes out and their defensive line's ready to go and they hold Jacobs, then the Raiders are going to have a tough day, I think. So we'll see, man. It's going to be a fun game. That's a fun. That's a really nice Sunday Sunday night matchup. It might not excite the country, but it excites me. Last game on the list, we got Monday Night Football. <laughs> this, is, this one's funny to me. The Chicago Bears versus the Los Angeles Rams. Everybody hates on the Chicago Bears, and all they do is keep winning. They're 5-1. and one. Uh, They have a better record now than the Los Angeles Rams, who everybody's convinced. Let me say this. I said this in a reaction video before I get you with the fantasy football stuff. The Rams, they're 4-2. Their four wins are against the NFC East. They have the NFC East completely off their schedule. There's no going back to that well. Right, so you got the 49ers. Meanwhile, they're three and three, who just beat the Rams, and they still have a couple of games against Washington, as we talked about during the fantasy football playoffs. By the way, for the 49ers, Chicago Bears, their defense—it's easy to look past them. They weren't as elite as in a defense as in 2019. They're getting back to that level, everybody. Um, I wouldn't say they're like 2018 Chicago Bears level, but they're—they're they're pretty darn good. I still f- say Foles is better. Um, I think I predicted him to get three touchdown passes last week. He didn't. He had two, I think, touchdown, but one of them was on the ground. Look, man, Chicago Bears, it's all about this defense. 
The Rams defense is good. I think this is a low-scoring game. Chicago Bears offense certainly is an elite. Let me hit you with the fantasy football projections. Montgomery, I don't love, but I have him graded as a start. I don't love it. Um, Jimmy Graham, you could start, although Cole Komet got in the end zone this week, not Jimmy Graham. Uh, for the Rams, meanwhile, Daryl Henderson's a start, but I really hate everybody other than maybe Cooper Cup. I have Cup as a start against the Bears. Woods, you could start, and then everybody else is a sit. I really think this is going to be 24-21-2017 or something like that. So I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Anyway, take it away, David. I think you just basically summed up David Montgomery's entire career. I don't love it, but I'm starting him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. At this point, you don't love anything about Dave Montgomery other than the volume, and that forces you into starting him. So good luck. You know what would have been perfect, by the way? Why him? wasn't Chicago in on the Le'Veon Bell thing? Why wasn't Chicago in on Cam Newton or or anybody not Nick You're Foles right. or You're right. you know what? Because it's Chicago. Yeah. Because they don't know what they're doing. Because Ryan Pace is, I don't know. He's not he's, good. He's been eating rocks for breakfast. Something. Either way, it's not looking good in Chicago. And I, you talk about they keep winning. They barely keep winning. I believe their point differential is plus twelve. Plus twelve. They are absolutely due. <laughs> do for a lot i know i'm looking forward to the articles the worst five and one team in history all the analytics and stuff but they keep winning they keep winning barely barely so <laughs> i'm i think the rams are in for a bounce back we see how have the bears been beaten before it's when you don't try and pass on them it's when you try and run the ball right up the gut right down their throat and kind of take away that pass rush and the danger of that pass rush and secondary and the turnovers they can create and the Rams are running the ball pr pretty darn good right now. Daryl Henderson is running the ball well. And I we didn't see Cam Akers. He played one snap. Yeesh. You got Cam Akers. Yeesh. But yeah. I think this could be a little bit of a game where Cam Akers does get involved more. Because at this point, it's clear. It's, it's kind of predictable with Cam Akers because they want to use him as a running back. That's it. They don't trust him in the pass game. He's got one target one target my friends at through, through five weeks what is it six weeks now i mm. believe six games one target he, he was out one of those games but that's not good he's not being used as a receiver so the only way cam Akers is gonna hold value is if this team is playing from ahead and they want to run out the clock in the second half and i do think that they could do that so i think this is a good time to to buy cam Akers because he doesn't cost anything and he's cheap as heck and if you need a running back, I do think in the right matchup, eventually he's going to become the guy that they will rely on to run the ball in the second half of games. You know, the Rams, their two losses to Buffalo and San Francisco, I would say those, in my view, if I'm looking at this just as a better, are good losses. And what I mean by that is they were... They, they weren't physically overmatched. They didn't look bad in those losses. They just lost. Whereas Green Bay, that was a bad loss. Again, so, sometimes you just throw that in the toilet and you flush it. You know, Tampa Bay, it was a juggernaut. Green Bay, you know, they, they came out flat. Tampa Bay just just overtook them, and that's, that is what it is. But the Rams have played strong and played hard throughout all of the thing, right? They, they haven't been in a situation where McVay is just like, hey, let's pull the starters off the field yet. 
Chicago, though, their defense is good enough to keep them in every single game. I know their offense isn't anything to write home about, and I think Nagy's overrated as a quarterback. I don't like Pace as a general manager, but you know, if you're a Bears fan watching this, I get it. You're gonna, you know, comment and you're gonna say, "What are you talking about? You know, what do you? Why are you hating on the Bears?" And yada, they're five and one. I'm not hating on them. They keep they keep winning. I'm acknowledging it. Um, and at this point, I'm saying, I mean, they really have to collapse to not make the playoffs. They're gonna be in the playoffs. The seven seeds, man, they're going to be in the playoffs. They can go four and eight for the, or I'm sorry, four and six the rest of the season and finish nine and seven and make the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. They are. So anyway, let me hit you with the line here. Um, Chicago plus seven, according to Bavada, against the Rams. I'm picking the Rams to win this game, but not by seven points. Not with that Chicago defense. I think it's going to be a four or five point game. Absolutely, I'll take Chicago on the points here. The value, and again, we were talking about the Raiders. We were talking about the Titans. The cat's out of the bag on the Titans. But last year, like the Raiders and the Titans and even the Jets the back half of the year and the Dolphins in the back half of the year, like everybody just hated on them from betting. And you see all the lines just go towards the opponent. The same is the case with the Bears, although I don't think I've ever seen a 5-1 and one team get the lack of respect from from. From the sports That's what books. I'm saying, especially with the Rams coming off a, a loss where they didn't look very good against the Niners. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, look, I, I said at the beginning, I think this is a three or four point game. I tend to think the Rams are going to win this game and bounce back, but seven points, a touchdown, that's with this defense for the Bears. And, you know, we still haven't seen that Foles game where he just, like, goes crazy and throws for four touchdowns. We're going to get it at some point. I don't think this is the week for it, but it's coming. Maybe. It's Maybe. coming. Maybe. And, <laughs> he will at some point. Maybe he, he will at some point. Well, three touchdowns. We'll, we'll say three <laughs> touchdowns. No, maybe not four. But anyway, no, th- this game's too close. Five and one, four and two. Come on, man. Like I know that the, I know they haven't been winning, running away, but seven points is too much for this game for the Bears for a five and one team. Five and one team getting seven points. Just you don't see that often. It's weird. But anyway, there you go. There's a podcast. Uh, you got anything for the uh, crowd before we get moving here, David? Nah, guys, just make sure to hit that like and subscribe if you want to check us out. Um, you can follow me on Twitter as well, at GuruFantasyWorld, W-R-L-D, no yeah. O in world. And these games get clipped out every single week on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Underdog. Thanks for listening. Like David said, please like, comment, subscribe, and we'll catch you next week.